Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Ashland's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. All right, here we go. A Tuesday inside the sports cage here for Saskatchewan Lotteries, bringing communities together. Funds over 12,000 sport culture recreation groups across Saskatchewan. And uh, we are here with my buddy Blaine Wyland on this Tuesday, and we are ready to roll here. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders back on the practice field today, and uh, a whole lot going on. Uh, today on the practice field, as far as uh, new bodies in there, as far as, uh, you know, players back in the lineup. And we're going to talk all about it on today's show. We have a loaded lineup once again. Uh, Cougars in the cage coming up at 332. Bittner Workman from the Regina Red Sox will be on the air at 335 with us. Bittner Workman, uh, very interesting story. And I can't wait to chat with him as the Regina Red Sox are coming off a 6-1 to win yesterday uh, versus... Uh, the Swift Current 57s at Curry Field. And, uh, yeah, it was good for the Red Sox to finally uh, get back in the win column on the friendly confines of Curry Field. So Bittner Workman coming up at 335. Arash Madani will be joining us live at 405. Uh, Tevin Jones, we're going to hear some audio from him after practice today, as well as uh, Rob Vanstone from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at 435. Can't wait to talk with Rob because I saw that uh, when he was in Edmonton in week one, uh, he was sitting in an old seat that he sat in when he saw Ronnie Lancaster's very last game and back in 1978 when uh, Rob Vanstone went with his mother. So we're going to talk about that and, of course, about the, the current Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Quarterback Trevor Harris after practice as well, and we are going to head to Edmonton as well in the uh, 5 o'clock hour and hear from the voice of the Edmonton Elks, Morley Scott, because a whole lot of turmoil right now, it seems like, on the outside looking in, in the quote-unquote city of champions. Uh, I don't know if you can really say Can you say that anymore, Blaine Wyland? Are they the... I don't know. No. City of, no. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. I'm asking a Calgary this is Flames, 19, This ain't the 1980s. Yeah, no. <laughs> What's going to happen this weekend as the Edmonton Elks, I believe their home losing skid is at 18 games now. 18 games, and they are taking on the Toronto Argonauts on Sunday at Commonwealth Stadium. So uh, it's going to be a tough task if they're going to snap that losing skid. They're going to have to beat the defending uh, Grey Cup champions to do so. So, And as always, text us up. 306-936-6262. We will be playing some Sastel Pick the Score uh, later on today as well, so keep that in mind. Not quite yet, you know, I'm going to let it marinate a bit, but we will be playing Sastel Pick the Score a little later on 
uh, in this Tuesday edition of the Sports Cage. And all of our guests on today's show, as always, appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. You can check your neighborhood Western Pizza for their pickup and dine-in specials. And, of course, also in the 5 o'clock hour, Glenn Suter. Can't wait to chat with him live on the air here and uh, see what's happening across the Canadian Football League. But a whole lot happening in Ryderville today. And, uh, well, where do I start? First of all, the club announced a few transactions on Tuesday. So after being cut at the end of the preseason, former NFL running back Rodney Smith was signed today as Frankie Hickson is dealing with his injury suffered, I believe, on like the first play against Winnipeg, unfortunately. And left tackle Hawkins is back with the team after missing the first two weeks of the regular season due to a family matter and uh, offensive lineman Colin Kelly is also eligible to play this week coming off that two game suspended list Uh, and both those guys were at practice today. Gerald Hawkins was getting snaps with the ones at left tackle I saw and Colin Kelly was getting reps at right tackle Blaine Weiland today so as it sits right now maybe the Riders are going to go into Calgary on Saturday with these two guys anchoring the offensive line on the outsides? That's what it looks like yeah. as of right now. We'll see what if tomorrow is a little bit different or if they're going to go ahead with uh, both uh, new tackles on the edges of the offensive line for uh, Saturday's game. It should be interesting to see what they do for tomorrow's practice, I guess. So as far as that... What you saw today, were they in there for the most part, like taking the majority of the reps with the yeah. ones from what you saw? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely uh, Hawkins and Kelly uh, yeah. for the majority of practice. Uh, Hawkins on the left side, Kelly on the right side. And also uh, Derek Moncrief and Nick Marshall, they were pra- they were practicing a bit today. Yeah, we're going through the positives before we go through the negatives. But, yeah, we uh, should, maybe we should do it the other way around, but no, let's go, well, let's we'll, go through the positives. Yeah, here. let's go through the positives. Yeah, they were both out there today uh, on the defensive side, so that's encouraging. Uh, after practice, Coach Dickinson wouldn't commit to Moncrief being back into the lineup this week, but it sounds like he's heading towards that direction. So we'll have to chart his progress throughout the week, but it looks like he's not sure if he's going to start or just be in the lineup yet, but uh, it's looking towards like uh, we, they could get some boosts on defense. Then Jackson Ford, how about him lining up as the starting safety? And the reason for that is, well, let's get into the negatives. Not saying it's a negative that Jackson Ford is uh, getting some playing time here, but plenty of Canadian content. Uh, we're not on the field today, unfortunately, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Where to start here? Jane Dulkey, I guess. Jane Dulkey wasn't out there. Lake Corte Moore, uh, Nick Daly, Albert Awachi, uh, Juwan Breskison. I think I got all the Canadians. And then Frankie Hickson, of course, and Roland Milligan yeah. were not on the field today. Am I missing anybody? I No, you got everyone. Oh, um, man. I know Coach Dickey talked about afterwards, Jaden Dulkey, that they said they're, he's optimistic that they could get him back this week, but optimistic, you know, doesn't translate to much yet. So we'll see how, see if he's back on the field tomorrow. Tomorrow's definitely a telling sign about some of these guys. You know, it's one thing to miss the first day of the practice of the week. It's kind of that second day if they miss two days in a row. That's, that's kind of the, the design or the sign. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if they miss two days in a row, that's a sign that they're going to be out the week. Yeah. So what you're telling me is this isn't a very good sign that we are in week three and we are already dealing with all these injuries. But what can you do, man? It's the game of football. That's why, you know, they draft to Jackson Ford so early in this year's draft. They think the guy can play, so if he does get the start on Saturday, it's going to make the game on Saturday that much more exciting. Get to see a former University of Regina Ram anchoring the back end of the defense. So uh, that's pretty much it in a nutshell from practice today, I would say. Uh, I just still can't get over those injuries, but I'm looking at the positives. I 
you know, to get both those offensive linemen back, you know, at the start of the practice week, that's a positive for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders going into this week because we've been waiting for Gerald Hawkins for quite some time. And there was word like, I don't know, like a week or two ago, there was some nervous energy that he might not even come back to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Not saying that was within the facility, but like the fans were kind of thinking, oh man, we were looking forward to see this guy play. We never even got to see him in the preseason. And now he's not with us at the start of the regular season. So I know that uh, Rough Rider fans are excited to see this guy play the former LSU Tiger. The former third round pick of, or third or fourth round pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers, too, as well. But yeah, uh, yeah definitely excited. To, that, that Hawkins was their plan at left tackle. I think the original plan before he uh, stepped aside during training camp and then Philip Blake stepped and then he went down and then now, and then they went on to Brandon Council. So I think they, they want to get Gerald Hawkins back and that, that was the original plan uh, to have Hawkins lined up at left tackle. It could be as soon as Saturday. Yeah, and football's a tough business, man. I, I'm just trying to think of you know, what Lofton and Council were kind of thinking today, you know, kind of sitting behind those guys. Uh, at the same time, they probably saw this coming as well because, like you just mentioned, Gerald Hawkins, he was supposed to be the starter going into the season, so I don't think Council was too butthurt about it, but, you know, being the competitor that these dudes are, it's always kind of like, uh, I mean, next man in type of thing, but... It's kind of a rare situation. They got like seven guys, eh? They're like health, yeah. seven healthy guys. Like it's a position where they actually got a surplus at the moment. So it's kind of it's a unique situation, a good situation to have to have you know extra bodies in a situation where they're filling in for injured players. And they got some time to mix around, find the right chemistry. It's only week three, so they got some time to find that chemistry in the offensive line. Yeah, and there's lots of news and notes from around the league today as well. Uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, their head coach Orlando Steinauer, has officially ruled out. Franchise quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell for Friday's home opener against the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, so, yes, we all know Mitchell. He left during the fourth quarter of uh, Sunday's loss versus the Toronto Argonauts with that lower body injury. So it's going to be Matthew Schiltz uh, getting a start for Hammy this week, it looks like. And uh, staying with the Tiger Cats, this is pretty cool as well. Was kind of waiting to see when this guy was going to sign on the dotted line. But former University of Saskatchewan Husky offensive lineman Noah Zur has inked the deal with the Tabbies today. Zur played in four games with the BC Lions last season after being drafted in the second round. And uh, we will have Noah Zur on the cage tomorrow. So looking forward to hearing from him, you know, as he's uh, getting set to don some brand new colors in uh, Hamilton, Ontario. And uh, this is kind of funny as well. I saw this CFL legend uh, Gizmo Williams. He said that Janarian Grand's punt return TD. It was great. You know, he was like, yeah, it was good, but uh, mm, not the best of all time. Not even close. According to an article done by our buddy, uh, uh, John Hodge of Three Down Nation. I uh, read that article today. That's pretty funny. Uh, I mean, Let's not start comparing this guy to the Giz here. I mean, yeah. the, the Giz is the best kick returner, kick returner in league history and probably pro football history. So cool your Jets if anyone's out there, you know, saying Janari and Grant is Gizmo Williams. All time, hey, would you put him ahead of like Devin Hester, Dante Hall, 
Those yeah, guys? It's, it's pretty close. I don't know. Could Devin Hester do a backflip, front flip after he <laughs> took it to the house? I don't know. No, that's a good point, though. Devin Hester, I mean, he housed one on the opening kickoff in Super Bowl 41, I believe it was, against the Indianapolis Colts. So it's not every day that uh, that happens. And Dante Hall's another guy that comes to mind. He had that stretch there with the Kansas City Chiefs in the yeah. early to mid-2000s when he was returning kickoffs left, right, and center. But no, Gizbo Williams, man, I think he would be at the top of, of my list. For sure in the Canadian football Definitely, league. yeah, I agree with you for CFL, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, it's a busy day across the Canadian Football League, and it's only a Tuesday. And I will say as well, we are expecting uh, tomorrow on the cage, the quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts, Chad Kelly, to join us. So that's going to be very exciting. So keep that in mind when you're making your Wednesday plans. Make sure to uh, tune into the sports cage. Not quite sure the time slot yet tomorrow for Chad Kelly. Still working through some details, but uh, for sure going to have Chad Kelly, and if not Chad Kelly, we're going to have a Toronto Argonaut to talk about uh, that big win that they had uh, this past Sunday, and uh, news is flying all over the place. Cannot wait for week three in the Canadian Football League. On the other side of the break, we are going to hear from the head coach of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Craig Dickinson, after practice today to discuss uh, some of the things that uh, we've been talking about here on this mighty fine Tuesday in the Queen City. Plus 21 in Regina, you're listening to the Sports Kids for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right. Back inside the Sports Cage here for Saskatchewan Lotteries. Sean Kleisinger sitting in for Michael Ball today. Blaine Wyland across the board for me. We are here for Saskatchewan Lotteries. Bringing communities together, Sask Lottery products fund over 12,000 sports, culture, and recreation groups across Saskatchewan. And uh, a lot of news going around Ryderville today. And after practice today, uh, the media and uh, our buddy here, Blaine Wyland, caught up with the head man, head coach Craig Dickinson. Here's what he had to say. Okay, Craig, a lot of people missing today. Any updates on any of them? No. Um, the injury report will be out at three. <laughs> Just like we told you. <laughs> yeah, but anyone seriously, anyone who you know is going to be missing a lot no, of time. No, we're, we're optimistic. We really are. Um, day one's a day where, you know, if, if they ain't 100%, we, we keep them in. But um, we'll see as the week goes. Uh, you guys did sign another running back. That usually doesn't bode well for health of Well, we were short anyways, so uh, we felt like we needed to get another guy in here anyways. So Rodney uh, had a good camp with us. He's one of our last cuts, so we're glad to get him back. What separated Rodney from all the other running backs you guys have brought yeah, in? Just, just those other ones were good, and, and he's good too, but it was, uh, it was a tough room to, to try to crack. What's it like to have uh, Gerald Hawkins back now? Super good. Great energy. Just a just a fun guy to have around. It's it's good to get him back. And getting Colin Kelly into the lineup as well this week. Yeah, like. yeah. There's a chance. We'll see. You know, we'll play the best five. Um, so right now it's good to have some veterans back. What would you make of uh, specifically the tackles with Lofton and uh, Council? And Council? I thought they played well. Yeah. I thought they did a good job. So. You know, they're not going to make it an easy decision, which is what we want. Anytime you have tough decisions, it means you have a good team. So we'll let it play out this week, and uh, we'll let you know on day four. But I feel like it's one of those moves, if if the, the two previous guys play, they didn't play themselves out of a job, no, right? No, they, was... they, 
they played well. I mean, certainly experience is, is the greatest teacher, especially up front. And, and for those guys, a lot of it's still new to them. So we want, we want some experience out there, but the young guys did well. I think I asked you this last week about the injuries, but do you kind of scratch your head again and go, you know, yeah, yes and no, but you're just, we got enough. We're going to be fine, you know, and, and sometimes adversity early in the season can be a real benefit late. How do you feel about Tevin Jones filling that role that kind of Walker? Yeah, yeah, he did a nice job. He's a good player, and we liked him, Britt, all, all of last year. So I think he'll just grow and get better each week. What will his role be this week again? Similar, yeah. We'll play him on the edge there and, and let him use his, his speed and his strength. When you watched uh, Trevor on, on uh, Friday, presumably a few times on film subsequent to that, what did you think of just the manner in which he was throwing the ball and hitting some really tight wins? Yeah, really accurate. He, he was really accurate in that game and really had good command of the offense. So that's uh, that's kind of the Trevor we expected and, and, and saw all of camp. So it was good to see. Hopefully he, he can put back-to-back -back games together. Is it how how much positives do you take from that week two, but a whole bunch of new pieces and the offense was firing on? So yeah, long? I think you can take a lot of positives, Britton. I, I mean, we we hung in there. Now there's some negatives too, and we'll try to correct them. But I think overall, that was a good a good performance by our team against a good team that that we knew was going to be a tough out early in the season, and we just got to keep improving and, and slowly getting better each week. Did you uh, watch the film, take a look at that Janarian Grant return, and what do you have to make sure that doesn't happen yeah, again? Yeah, that's a, that was a heck of a play by him. There's no doubt. We tip our hat to Janarian and the Winnipeg special teams group, but we, we can improve in our tackling, and we'll we'll do a better job hopefully moving forward. Must have been happy with Emily, uh, with Emily's catching three touchdowns the week after. He yeah. Had, I wish he had one back. Yeah, in yeah he's, he had a nice game. He got, um, he got an award for us on offense in terms of, we give out player of the game and he got it. So he, he had a good game and I think his confidence is just growing. I think you're going to see some more good games from Sam. Can you elaborate more on some of the takeaways from the last game going into week three? Um, yeah, I mean, the takeaway, we, I mean, we still lost by two scores or more, right? So it wasn't a great a great day. But I do think the, the um, you know, the attitude of the guys was good. I think our physicality was good. You know, I don't know what injuries... Winnipeg got, but I'm sure they were sore after the game because I felt like we were physical. And I just felt like it was a good game in terms of back and forth. We seemed to answer at least at least uh, early in the game. So I think, um, you know, kind of the stick-to-itness of the group was tested, and I thought we did all right. Last week, uh, going into the Winnipeg game, you said it was going to be a win or loss in the trenches. How did you make the D-line show up? I thought the D-line was, was decent, but I thought their old line was even better. So... We'll challenge our defensive line to get to the quarterback more and to, and to cause a little more havoc than they did last week. Is Derek Moncrief on track to start this week? He's on track to play. Whether he starts or not, we'll have to see. But we're hoping to get him a full week of practice. In terms of the safety position, if, uh, if Dolkey's not there to go this week, is it, it's just a matter probably Nelson? Yeah, it'll probably be Nelson and Ford yeah, if Dolkey can't go. We're still optimistic that we're going to get Jaden, but that would be the rotation if he couldn't play. 
All right, that's uh, head coach Craig Dickinson after practice today, and the official injury report is indeed out, and I'm taking a look at it right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players did not practice uh, due to an injury. Nick Daly with a head, uh, late Corte Moore, hamstring, Albert Awachi with a hamstring, Frankie Hickson, shoulder, Anthony Lanier the second with a foot, Juwan Braskis in shoulder. Demarcus Christmas, that's one that I forgot off the top of the show. He did not practice today with a knee. Jane Dalkey back and Roland Milligan back. And uh, Kari Vedvik, he was uh, limited with uh, that hip injury that he's been nursing the last couple weeks here. Uh, so if he's not able to go, of course, Adam Korzak will get the nod once again in Calgary this weekend. Nick Marshall with a shoulder. He was a full participant. Derek Moncrief, we just heard from Coach there. He's on track to play this week, but just not quite sure if uh, he will be in the starting lineup or not. And Miles Brown, healthy scratch uh, today at practice. So uh, uh, that's that's where we're sitting. What do you make of that, by the way? You know, I'm just trying to gather my thoughts in my head here. Miles Brown, healthy scratch. What goes through your mind when you see that? I think it's because he was on the one-game injured list last week, and then he was he was at practice today, so I'm mm. not sure if that has to do it. Right. Like, he was a full goal today at practice. I mean, <laughs> considering uh, the guys who weren't, uh, you know, he was definitely noticeable because, you know, you didn't notice the guys who weren't there kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, so the guys who were there definitely yeah. stood out. But Should, uh, I shouldn't, I'm laughing because it's ridiculous. Uh, unfor- it's a very unfortunate. I think that's the, the I, right word. I, it's telling to see what tomorrow will bring. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you hope that it's day one. You know, there's a big difference between day one and day two of the week. So uh, we'll see if tomorrow is a better fate for the riders on the entry front. Yeah, and Miles Brown, he had himself like a really good week one. That's why it was kind of like, oh, like he didn't play last week. Now he's a healthy scratch. You know, I'm scratching my head about it basically at this point. But uh, no, it makes sense what you're saying. Hey, we're going to head to break. And on the other other side of the break, we will be joined with Regina Red Sox infielder Bittner Workman from uh, Arizona he hails from. And I uh, can't wait to chat with this guy. He's ready to roll, waiting on hold on the Western Pizza Hotline. So that's coming up on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. And back with your sports ticker at 332, the Toronto Blue Jays. Can they win a baseball game? That's the question going into tonight in Miami. They lost yesterday big time to the Marlins. You say Kikuchi gets to start tonight, and he's been pretty good this year for Toronto. He's 6-2 and two with uh, just hovering around a 4 ERA on the season. So uh, I saw somewhere today that the last 1,000 games for the Toronto Blue Jays, guess what their record is? 500 and 500. For a 500 record. <laughs> That's just crazy. So uh, they win half their games, they lose half their games. That's the team we got right now up here in Canada. So uh, the Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Miami Marlins tonight at 4.40 p.m. Saskatchewan time. The Regina Red Sox, we're going to talk with one of them coming up here in a four, uh, few short minutes. Bittner Workman is on the other side, and those Red Sox are taking on the Weyburn Beavers tonight at Tom Lang Park in Weyburn. Bittner Workman on the other side. Cougars in the Cage, a weekly look at the sporting scene of the University of Regina. And Cougars in the Cage brought to you by Freeze Tallman. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. 
Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Quapel. University of Regina women's basketball head coach Dave Taylor announced that the Cougars have received a commitment from Riffle guard Alexin Ward for the upcoming season. And selfishly, I'm going to say I am excited about this one since I am a Riffle grad myself. Ward capped off her high school career with just a sensational grade 12 season with the Riffle Royals. The Royals took out Harvest City to win the 5A City Championship. Then they went on to play in Hoopla in Prince Albert as the tournament's top seed and won three straight games, including a rematch against Harvest City in the final to claim the 5A provincial title. So Ward and the Royals also took home a Hoopla medal last season, winning bronze. And a cool tidbit here is Alexson's mother, Andrea, was a Regina Cougar, winning two conference titles and had three appearances at the national championship. Alex and Ward, welcome to the Cougars. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here we go. Excited to chat with this guy, Regina Red Sox infielder who attends and plays baseball with the BYU Cougars in the state of Utah from Queen Creek, Arizona, Bittner Workman on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hey, thanks for coming on, Bittner from Arizona. So what are your thoughts on Saskatchewan thus far? Oh, it's been great. I'm super grateful to be out here and uh, playing for the Regina Red Sox. Um, it's been a, a wonderful experience. Um as I'm just getting back into baseball. Yeah, is this uh, your first time in Canada? Yeah, first time, first time making it out to Canada. So uh, you said just getting back into baseball. Uh, maybe explain that to our listeners and our fans. Did you take a couple years <laughs> off the game? Yeah, of course. Um, so the past two years, I went and served a full-time mission for my church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and as I go and serve, I went to um, Colorado Springs, Colorado, um, and pretty much for two years, I just served people and helped and taught about Jesus Christ, um, but I wasn't able to play baseball. You know, that was my main focus for the for the two years, so now that I'm able to kind of be back and getting back into the swing of things, it's been a lot of fun. I'm super grateful for um, the opportunity to be even here playing for the Regina Red Sox. Do you plan on playing college baseball for this coming season? Yeah, yeah. So I'll be um, back at BYU in the fall Mm -hmm. and hopefully, you know, playing and and healthy um, this coming season. Nice. So this uh, summer with the Regina Red Sox is your first time playing baseball since when? About two years? About two years, yeah. It's been two years since I've seen live pitching, so... Wow. Um, it's been it's been super cool to hop back into it. Yeah. Is it kind of like riding a bike when it comes to that, or is it a big-time adjustment? Um, I would say pretty much, yeah. It's like riding a bike. I mean, honestly, it really came from the confidence in going into it. Um, I feel like um, as I was confident in just, you know, what I knew before, I knew I could just kind of hop back into it. And, yes, there's been adjustments. There's been a few things that um, I've had to work through already, but I – I honestly felt like it was just like riding a bike, hopping back into it and um, making a few minor tweaks, but feel really good. Yeah. Bittner Workman from the Regina Red Sox here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So how did you end up here in Canada? Was it simple recruiting or was there something else that intrigued you to come north? Um, yeah, it was, it was along the lines of, um, you know, the recruiting process. I uh, 
talked to my coach at BYU and, you know, while I was on my mission, and I was just like, hey, I'm hoping to get a summer league team and I would, you know, like to have a little competitive summer, get some at-bats and kind of get back into it before I go to BYU. And, you know, he told me that he has a team and um, he knows that I'll, I'll really enjoy it and get a lot of reps. And so I'm super glad that um, he sent me, sent me out here and I got the opportunity to come out here. That was with your college coach that you had that conversation with? Yeah, yeah. So he had a few connections up here. Um, talked to, I believe, um, you know, I I think he talked to Rye um, yep. Pasikos, I think his last name yep. is. Um, but just had a um, few connections to get up here. That's awesome. So you come from a baseball background. Your dad played at BYU and Arizona State, and the cool thing about this is your brother Gage played for Arizona State himself, so your dad played on both of his son's college teams, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge part of um, what we've talked about. It's been a, it's been a huge blessing to have um, these opportunities, and my dad's just super glad that We've had an opportunity to go to both his alma mater. So. Yeah. And your brother was drafted by the Detroit Tigers in the fourth round back in 2020. Uh, is he still playing with the Tigers AA affiliate in Erie, Pennsylvania? Yeah, he is currently there in midseason playing um, for the... Um, Seawolves, right? AA affiliate. What's that? The Seawolves, right? Yes, sir, the Seawolves. Yeah. Seawolves. So do you ever catch yourself thinking about what it would be like, you know, sitting at Comerica Park on a nice sunny day, maybe holding a cold beverage in Detroit, watching your brother come to the plate? Oh, man, I, I am excited for the for the day that that comes around and I have the opportunity to watch him and um, see him perform at the high levels that he does. Yeah. Is that your goal? This might be a silly question. Is that your goal to be a Major League Baseball player? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Since a um, young age, we've always just trained and worked hard to um, play at high levels. And so um, it's kind of built into our mind that that's where we, that's where we want to be and want to get to. Right. We're with uh, Bittner Workman here with the Regina Red Sox. And just kind of uh, trailing back to uh, a few minutes ago, what went into your decision to uh, take a couple years off baseball to go on the, on the mission that you did? Um, so it was, it was a difficult decision because obviously I've played baseball my whole life and have worked hard to, um, play at these levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really felt like, uh, I needed to take time away from, you know, kind of focusing on myself and really focus outwards, focus on other people, um, and take the opportunity to serve others. Um, and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, I got the opportunity to help others, um, kind of come closer to their Heavenly Father and feel happy, bring peace into their life, um, and truly just um, forget myself and, and go to work. So it was a wonderful experience. I'm super glad that I had that opportunity to do that. Um, and like I said, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that for anything. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, man, we are super happy to have you here in Regina, Saskatchewan with the Regina Red Sox. Welcome back to the game of baseball. Welcome to Regina and the Western Canadian Baseball League. And uh, can't wait to keep saying your name over the public address system at Curry Field. Bittner, a workman. Cannot wait to say it, my friend. So uh, uh, thanks for hopping on today, and good luck tonight against the Weyburn Beavers. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome. Nice, cool story there. Bittner Workman from Arizona playing for your Regina Red Sox, making a comeback into baseball. And uh, he's doing pretty good right now as well with the Regina Red Sox, who take on the Weyburn Beavers tonight. It's a 7 o'clock opening pitch from Curry Field. We're going to hit the break quickly. More on the other side. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries today on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's plus 21 here in Regina, mostly cloudy. Pretty nice day for the most part. I went for a little walk around the noon hour, you know, about a 7 to 10 minute walk I think I had. Well, that's a pretty good. That's pretty good exercise right there. That's a power walk right there. Yeah, that's right. I went around the block feeling good. Get my uh, get my steps in. Uh, I don't wear one of those like watches or anything to track my steps. I'm just trying to fit in and sound cool, you know. Because I, you know, I want to quote unquote close my rings. That's the thing. I think that's what it's called. I right? was. I figured that you were counting inside your head. Yeah. The entire time. That's a good point. Maybe I should do that tomorrow. Hey, it's been a. Uh, it seems like it's been a long week already. It's only Tuesday, and, and and I say that as far as like the CFL goes, it feels like we've waited a long time to see our Rough Riders play when it's just been you know fr- Friday and it's Tuesday. It just seems like oh, we gotta wait Wednesday, you know Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday. But uh, I don't know. Am am I in the dark in this, or is it? I first was going to laugh because I thought you were going to say it's been a long wait since we had some CFL football in general mm-hmm. since we had a game Sunday. It's only been no. one full day, but no, no. Uh, I know it's kind of anxious, especially with the game Saturday, too. So yeah. it's a little bit longer to wait this week as well. And then there's a bye week after that, too. So this is the last game of June. Mm-hmm. They don't play again until July 6th after this week. So That's right. A bye week on Canada Day uh, weekend, which is kind of like, huh? Canada's team not playing on Canada Day weekend? My guess is because they're playing on the August long weekend, and they're also got the game at Labor Day, so I'm not sure if they can have... I'm not sure if that's just a scheduling quirk that they were not able to get like all three long weekends. I think that's why. Uh, I don't know. I just think they don't know how to make schedules quite good. Well, quite good enough, in my opinion. How could you have Canada's team and not and not put them on Canada Day weekend? Well, we could they ask got the Bombers playing and not us. Last time I checked, they're not Canada's team. We are. They also didn't have the defending Grey Cup champions playing week one. Oh, so they're so they're a prisoner of the moment is what you know, that's what the league is right now, huh? They they want to throw years of tradition and uh, you know names in the trash. And just be a prisoner in the moment. That's where that's where we're at. Hey, I'm complaining about you know waiting for football to happen. We've you know we saw the Riders play, of course, on Friday. But this guy we're going to hear from right now. He hasn't been playing football for quite some time because he was away, uh, took a personal leave of absence to deal with a a personal issue. I'm talking about Gerald Hawkins, left tackle with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and we caught up with him after practice today. Uh, feels amazing, man. I miss this team, miss my brothers, miss the coaches. Just peace of mind, honestly. Do you want to talk about your personal matter? Or would you re- rather leave it at that? Uh, I'm just, I'm just happy to be back, honestly. Leave that where is that? Back here now, I'll control what I can control. Appreciate that. Um, and getting a chance, to, you know, to potentially get right back into the lineup. What does that mean to you to, you know, potentially start uh, as early as Saturday? Uh, really, just see if I can work my way back. But just being back in the lineup, these guys missing me, they, they still trust me is, is amazing. Me being gone for so long, you, 
It's a brotherhood, man. You miss each other. I'm just happy to be back. Were you uh, able to watch the games while you? Oh yeah, gone? definitely. I was. I was watching. What was your thoughts on how they they played in your your absence there? I I, I love it, man. The energy was there. Uh, just a few things didn't go their way. Momentum changed, but other than that, man, it did great. I, I'm I respect it to the uh, fullest. What was it like watching? Was that a little nerve wracking? It, it was nerve wracking, but and it's like a little anxiety in you because you wish you could be there, be with them, uh, encourage them, and stuff like that. But they held it down. Does that give you a little extra juice potentially for this weekend? Uh, honestly, just taking it day by day, honestly. Each game, one game at a time. Just trying to go one and zero each week. Have you got a chance to kind of look at the Calgary defensive line? They're, they're, they're often among the best in the league. They get after quarterbacks. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. There's that, that group up front is amazing on both sides of the ball. I give them all the respect. Do a great game. What do you guys have to do to ensure uh, Trevor stays upright during this one against a group that talented? Uh, honestly, we have to just trust our technique, trust our coach, and just stick with the game plan and ride with it, baby. What's it been like to have uh, Evan Johnson there? Throw camp was Philip Blake, unfortunate injury for Philip. So to go to Evan Johnson now? Uh, really, it's just just different name. <laughs> it's same thing, same brother. Still trust each other. Still go to war with him. Doesn't change, man. Next man down, next man up. You were here throughout camp a little bit, but are you still getting advice from these guys? Is it oh, your first CFL start? Oh, definitely, man. I'm, I'm still open, open ears. Man. I'm trying to learn everything I can. It doesn't matter what you do, how old are you, what what years you played, man. I'm still learning. It's early in the week, but during camp you mentioned it had been a while since you had played pro football. <laughs> so what, what do you expect the emotions to be like when you go out there in Calgary? Ooh, I, honestly, I can't wait. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to those chills, those jitterbugs, man. Just that, that back of the hair, back in, back of the hair, your neck raised up, man. I just, I can't wait for it, honestly. Does being out of football for those few years kind of make you appreciate more of these opportunities in games? Definitely, I believe that's with anything. And but just being out with football, not being able to physically be there, just be able to coach, man. You miss every part of it. It doesn't matter from the, the boring parts, the good parts. You miss it, and I, I'm, I really did. When you got that call to, to get out of coaching and come back to play pro ball, is, is it all worth it now? Is it all making sense oh, to you right now? It, it, it was definitely worth it, man. Yeah. But honestly, it was a it was a shock. <laughs> it was a shock to me. I thought I was done with that that stage in my life, but they gave me an opportunity. I'm loving it ever since. In terms of the last few weeks, in terms of on the field here, what's the biggest thing that you, you missed out on the, over these last few weeks? Man, know? just being around you, this team, this, this energy. It's like, it's, I still say something special. Trevor always said, the players always say, I just feel something special here. What do you bring from your coaching experience now that you're back on the field? Just the, the mentality of paying attention. The mentality of paying attention, man. Being around high school kids and middle school kids, you realize the attention span is like a net. <laughs> you you got to keep them engaged. But once they do engage, once they do listen, man, it's 10 times easier. They fall in love with it. That's about it. That's left tackle Gerald Hawkins. First practice back today, and uh, he sounds like a guy with in his first practice back, uh, huffing and puffing. I was going to ask, playing, did you guys talk to these guys in between plays or what? I mean, they were working out a little afterwards. He's always he he's one of those guys I noticed in Saskatoon. He's always. Um, He's one of those guys who's worked out after practice as well, so um, he's always putting the effort. To, he's one of those guys who puts in the effort after the workout, usually mm -hmm. uh, in practice. So that's probably like fresh off of a of a drill. There, uh, yeah, he was quite active. Yeah, I guess that's why. I mean, he was drafted in the fourth round in the 2016 NFL draft to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then he had some time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Houston Texans, I believe, as well. Uh, a stint with the Patriots. And I believe with the Saints is the other team, yep. uh, the Saints. And now here we are, Gerald Hawkins. He's a, 
looking like he's going to be starting here on Saturday night at left tackle. And I don't think I've ever been this excited to watch an offensive lineman play football. And that's no disrespect to the position. But let's be honest, you know, people don't tune into football games to watch O-line play unless, you know, you've played the position and you're like a real football insider slash, you know, geek. You, you, you you tune in to watch the quarterbacks. You tune in to watch the receivers making big plays, running backs laying the boom, the truck stick. You know, on the defensive side of the ball, you you know watch for basically all those guys. But you know, I'm excited to watch this guy play. Like, I I don't even think I'm gonna be you know looking at Trevor Harris when he drops back to pass. I'm gonna be locked on number uh, 65. Is he? Yep. Number 65. See, I, I don't even know what number he is yet because he hasn't played. But, of course, he's been in training camp and stuff. But uh, do you share the same uh, excitement as, as as I have for this guy coming I, up Saturday? I was going to say that's two of us that's looking forward to watching him in action, especially since he didn't partake in the, the preseason, missing out on the first two games. It'll be interesting to see if he hops right back into the starting lineup. Uh, it looks like it. Like it looks like at this point that he's going to, but we'll have to mm-hmm. see how tomorrow goes. Uh, but uh, that's a quick turnaround for him. I, I, maybe it also helps that he's got a bye next week as well. So it's like he plays a game, yeah, that gets point. a little bit, of, a little bit of a break as well. It's kind of interesting too if they do uh, switch up both tackles in the same week with both Hawkins and Kelly as they were both uh, lined up at those tackle spots today. Now, would you maybe hold off Hawkins and? Uh, Kelly for this week, just for the simple fact that you just stated there that the Riders have a bye next week, maybe, you know, but I guess that's more time off not playing football on the other hand, so maybe that's maybe that's a silly point to make. I was going to say, if this is their plan, if this is what they want at the tackles, because both they weren't able to play, of course, Hawkins and Kelly the first two weeks, so if this is what they want and this is their main plan, I think they should just go ahead and don't worry about the bye weeks and that, yeah. just go ahead and play those two this week. Hey, on the other side of the ball, one guy that's uh, been absolutely outstanding, I mean, especially last week, Tevin Jones making some big-time plays for quarterback Trevor Harris. And uh, Tevin Jones caught up with the media after practice today. I'm feeling all right. I uh, could be feeling better if we would have won, but um, I, guess I, I have to take it one to know every week. Yeah. How were you able to establish quick chemistry with uh, Trevor Harris uh, with him being out of practice all throughout the week? Oh, um, I, I see it as just like camp practice, you know, taking one day at a time. Uh, in camp, he, he was throwing me the ball. And, uh, yeah, just like that. I, f- I feel like every game is just like practice. What was going through your head when Walker, you know, placed out and he decided this you are going to take his place? Well, really, um, uh, Darrell, he was with me the whole time. He was talking me through everything, teaching me through everything, uh, putting my eyes where he would be. So uh, I really appreciate, appreciate him for that. What can you say about the role you're going to play while he's out? Um, my role is to do all I can to help win this game, and that's it. That's my, that's my, been my role since I got here, and that's always, that's always been be my role. And I guess it might not just be while he's out. You are trying to establish you know, a permanent spot with the ones on the offense here. Yeah. What is your mindset right now? My mindset is just to go out there and just uh, beat the man in front of me, uh, whether that's on offense, whether that's on special teams or anything. I'm just trying to go out there and compete and help win the game. What can you say about this offense right now, given the turnover that's kind of happening with all the injuries? Um, uh, we're going to have uh, t- uh, turmoil. We're going to have things that we have to get over. That's, that's what makes us uh, be great. You know, so if you don't have anything like that in life, then what are you doing? You know, so, yeah. Do you carry the same over mentalities on offense as you do as, as when you play special teams? Oh, yeah, of course. Anybody in front of me, I, I think if I don't win, it's a problem. What, what am I doing here if I don't win? They can put... Uh, 
J-Lo in front of me. <laughs> if he's on special teams, he's going down. Yeah, so that's how I see it. What's the biggest thing you feel like you want to improve on heading into this week? Um, the small things, small things. As far as like blocking, because uh, I want my running backs to be great. Um, uh, when the ball's near, I want to catch it. And just like small, like like little things, like attention to details type stuff. That's it. Just get, oh. No, you go. Oh, just get your thoughts about uh, Emelis catching three touches, three touchdowns on uh, Friday, a week after he dropped one in Edmonton. Just your thoughts about about him rebounding on Friday. Oh yeah, that's great. Uh, um, anything he can do to help the team too. Three, four, five, six. Just just get in the end zone. That's all I care about. Get in the end zone. Let's score. Let's worry about the next game. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can get out, pull out, pull out a win. Why do you feel like you are finding your footing so well now? Um. It's it's one step to many, you know. I I feel like I came far, but I feel like there's a lot more to go, you know. So I just try to take it one day at a time, one step at a time. So are you feeling like people haven't even seen the full Jones show? Then there's still lots that you free to uncover. Yeah, this is day one. This is game one of uh, off an of injury. So we'll 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 see what happens. You were prepared for your start, right? You were ready for the opportunity. What were how did how did you how did you stay prepared? How did you stay ready? Um, I stay ready by praying first, and then all my teammates helping me, all my uh, my coaches helping me, all the way up to the head coach. He was helping me. So um, yeah, uh, Coach Tate, he was uh, putting his little little two cents in every every practice, every rep. He was right there. Um, coach Naaman, he was there too. Well, you know, all the quarterbacks helping me out. Not only uh, Trevor helping me out, everybody was helping me out. Uh, Doley, uh, um, Mason, everybody. So, uh, yeah, I have to give, like, even the lineman, hey, Ted, you got this? All right, cool, appreciate it, you know? So, yeah. You talked a lot about the little things. Uh, what are some key points that your position coaches made about emphasizing in terms of technique coming into the next game? Uh, so, uh, small things like uh, first down, second down, third down, uh, what, what to look for as far as defenses, you know, cover two, whole shot, things like that. So, um, before, I was just like, hey, I'm just going to go out there and just play, run around, catch the ball. Now I know that... Uh, uh, like you got to prepare as in like you're going to war, you know? So on um, first down, I know that this guy shades inside. I know that, you know, he's not outside. So little things like that. And uh, I know what to expect instead of just going out there and just play. Hey, nine, nine catches for 121 yards on Friday night versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was making grabs left, right, and center, and him and Sean Bain Jr. I mean, both over 100-yard games. And then you got Sam Emelis, who had three touchdowns. So I uh, got a great receiving core that we saw on display on Friday night, and hopefully that can carry over to McMahon Stadium on Saturday night in Cowtown. And that puts a wrap on hour one on the other side of the uh, five or uh, the four o'clock news. Rather, we will hear from uh, Arash Madani coast to coast coming up on the other side of the news. You're listening to the sports cage here on 620 CKRM. This number one sports talk show is on. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. And it is for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533, Coast to Coast. 
we go with our friend Arash Madani. And uh, Arash, hopefully you are having yourself a good Tuesday thus far. And uh, I want to ask you about this to kick things off. Uh, there could be a movement afoot when it comes to, you know, the promotion of sports gambling on our screens. Can you expand yes. on this? Uh, Zinger, good to be with you, bud. Yeah, um, this is interesting today. In the Senate, in the Senate of Canada, there was a first reading, a private member's bill introduced about the promotion of sports gambling in this country. And it's a series of recommendations, everything from how much that companies can advertise and, you know, whether or not you have celebrity endorsers. You know, now you see Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and Wayne Gretzky and others. And a whole bunch of things that that include some recommendations and some thoughts on this. Now, this, this would be like a five-year process, but there, there's a couple layers to this thing. The first is there are limits to advertising now for tobacco and for alcohol. And so now the conversation has shifted to sports gambling with the influx in it. What's interesting about all this is that a lot of the jurisdictions on lotteries, on gambling, are provincial. And yet at the federal level, now the Senate's getting involved in saying, well, hold on, what are we doing here? Hmm, very interesting, man. Now, uh, so you think if something were to happen when it comes to this, like we're talking like five years from now, is that is that what is that what you're thinking? Well, nothing happens quickly, hmm. and nothing is imminent. And this is just the introduction of the bill, hmm. and then to get you know the process started, and then what happens, and then it's got to you yeah. know get into the there, there's a lot there's a lot of layers to this, but it didn't take long, did it, Dinger? I mean, shoot. Sports gambling has now been legal for not quite 18 months. Yeah, I was going to say a couple of years. uh, Yeah, 18 months, yeah. And it's gotten to this point already. Hmm. So you always wonder what the next thing to happen could be. And uh, we're there now. Yeah, well, since we're talking gambling, Arash, you were just in uh, Sin City, USA. You were in Las Vegas, Nevada, my friend, for a a big soccer match. Canada, uh, you know, playing the Americans on Sunday, and Canada's men's soccer team was dumped by the Americans, 2 to nothing. the final score in the Nation League's final there. And obviously, you know, the natural reaction after the game, just a bunch of blame all over the place. I mean, you know, the coaches blamed... Uh, you know, the coach himself is blaming finances and, you know, prep time, some commentators blaming the coach. And then, you know, eh, sprinkle in there maybe a bit of blame for the players. Uh, it's 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 kind of frustrating as a Canadian soccer fan because, you know, as us fans, you just want so badly to get over the hump to be able to consistently beat teams like the United States of America. But it's just... I don't know what it is. It seems like it's a arm reach away, but you know, as soon as your hand gets close to it, it gets slapped away like your hand going into a cookie jar. You know what I mean? It's just a. Uh, uh, where do we sit right now with Canadian soccer going forward? Yeah, it, it's a good question, Zinger, because like, let's go back not that long ago. Canada qualifies for the World Cup in 2022, all of a year ago. Right? It was March of last year that Canada qualified. In January of 22, January of last year, 
Canada handily beat the Americans in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward, again, less than 18 months, and Canada was dominated by the, the, those same Americans. And here's the issue. Look, John Herdman's got some gripes. He wants to know where all the money from the World Cup went. He wants to know why it's not being reinvested in the program. He's using that as his narrative. We need more resources. We need more time. We need more money. If we want to be taken seriously as a soccer country, we've got to spend more. All that's true. Except, Zinger, Sunday was embarrassing. Sunday was dreadful. Sunday was poor. Sunday was unacceptable. I turned Sunday it off. Was bad. Yeah. It was one of the... It almost felt like if if the Canadian players were an airplane, they were trying to take off and none of the engines were firing. Like, mm. they, they were... They, it just... It was a no-show. And the coach afterwards said, oh, yeah, no, tactics were fine. Nothing to see here. We just need more money. So you have to pick and choose your spots. And just going with the same tired narrative doesn't work every time. And that seems to be what John Herdman wants to do. Hmm. So where do you stand? I'm kind of like more on the side of, do you know what, just just shut up and play better soccer is where where I'm at as a fan. Like, I don't, like, enough with the excuses, man. And I'm not saying he's wrong. Like, obviously, you know, it would help if you had more money or more time time to prep. There's a time and a place, right? Yeah. There's a time and a place for everything. And and Sunday after that performance isn't the time or the place. Yeah, when you lay an absolute egg like that, I mean, yeah, like I said, I turned it off because I couldn't watch it anymore. Like I was peeling my eyelids out. It was. I felt like I was watching Team Canada circa like the year uh, two thousand and five or something. You know, just uh, not a good performance, and uh, it just sucks because. Canada soccer fans just riding that high after the World Cup and then or going into the World Cup I should say and then what happens in the World Cup yeah you know probably could have uh, drew one game maybe won one game but at the end of the day lost all three and then here we are today uh, it just kind of feels like we're back to square one where we were a couple years ago doesn't it I, and I wouldn't go that far. Like, we still have Davies. We still have David. Uh, Kyle Lawrence capable. Mm. What, what I would say, Zinger, is that that was just a terrible performance. Mm. Like, you know, sometimes when you're a fan of a team and you're like, okay, you just chalk this up to a bad day at the office. Mm. You know, like you're a terrible football team, the Packers, you know, when they <laughs> lose 42-3. to three. And how glorious that is for the human race. Yeah. They're not 39 points worse. It's But it's just one week. It's one match. It's one game. Hmm. The issue is it happened in a final. The issue is it happened with a trophy on the line. The issue is it happened against Team USA. The issue is everybody played. Everybody was bad. Yeah. Other it's... than maybe Ismail Kone. But, yeah. but it, it was just, it was one of those days where you're just like, you know, the coach comes in and says, we're going, to t- we're going to burn this game film and no one's going to watch it again. It was one of those days. It just happened to be the worst time to have one of those days. Yeah. Arash Madani, coast to coast here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So this game did take place in Vegas on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium, the home of the Las Vegas Raiders. And did you get caught up in the parade there? Did you come across the parade in Vegas for the Vegas Golden Knights? Also, there's a lot of prepping, uh, prepping going on right now for uh, the F1 race on the horizon. So didn't didn't run into the parade. They had over 100,000 people downtown for the parade, by the way, all Ooh. around the strip and by the arena. Um, the, 
the monitors all over the airport saying welcome to Las Vegas Stanley Cup champions with the Golden Knights logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I found out, Singer, I didn't know this. I'm not sure if you do or the listeners do. Did you know there's a season ticket waiting list for the Vegas Golden Knights? No. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> there you go. So that's something I learned uh, on my trip. But there is mad construction, mad renovations going on right now all over the city, all around the Strip for the F1 race that's coming to Vegas. And they're going to drive right down the Strip. During, you know, that's going to be part of the track. And it's going to be one of the one of the bigger events that that city has had. Like, everybody's gearing up for it. It's coming in, like, October, November, something like that. And so it's it's full-on prep mode right now. Um, like, and it's going right through the heart of, of the casino district of the city. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never seen uh, race cars, you know. I've never seen NASCAR. I've never seen F1 in person. Not a fan of it, but I, I do want to, like, lock my eyeballs on it in person one day just to hear the... Just a couple times. The sound is different. Yeah, just like you could just hear it coming through uh, the TV screen. So I do want to see it one day, and I also want to see some better stats for the Canadian Football League. Arash, I'm fed up with this. Like we're supposed to be in the gambling era here, and we don't even know what's going on. We don't even know how many yards passing a guy has after the first quarter. We don't know this. We don't know that. I mean, what what are we doing here? The XFL and the USFL had better stats. Aren't we supposed to be better than those leagues? Well, I, I dare say that there are ninth graders, Zinger, who have better stats. I mean, I spoke with someone who works for a team, and they told me that they had like five or six different passing numbers sent to them oh. on how many yards Jake Mayer threw for. That it wasn't until like a day and a half later. Getting chest pains actually, listening to this. <laughs> yes, a day and a half later they got you know the final stats. Uh, what do you even say anymore? <laughs> no, I, what do you even say anymore? I don't know, man. I just want to change. Like, will it, does it cost the league that much money to be able to get some competent people in each venue every single game or a couple people to get this thing done? How How is the betting world supposed to work when when this is a problem? I just don't understand. In the like fantasy fantasy sports world. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't get it. I I don't know. Uh, and I also don't understand how bad Bo Levi Mitchell has been with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Everyone was kind of thinking, you know, oh, this guy is back to his old self because he came in for a couple drives in the uh, West Semi last year and basically got himself a $500 contract off a few completions, I feel like, because you can't tell me that he would get a deal like that if he didn't come in that game last year. That's just my opinion. But unfortunate that he got hurt on Sunday in Toronto. But uh, oh. He's not going to play this week. He no. is officially out this week. Matthew Schiltz time. So uh, I, I'm just going to say, Arash, Ryder fans are feeling pretty good right now that uh, we signed Trevor Harris and not Bo Levi Mitchell. Here's my question, Zinger. Hmm. Other than Zach Caleros, who can you truly rely on as a quarterback in this league today? Like, we we began the conversation talking about sports gambling, right? Like, I know BC is 2-0. I get it. Do you trust Vernon Adams right now in that offense? Yet? 
Like who's, no. who's the second best quarterback in the league? Oh, it's it's Trevor Harris for sure. I mean, he was making throws. He was making throws on Friday that uh, I think only him and Zach Kolaris can make in this league. I mean, pinpoint accuracy. I'm not accuracy. disagreeing with you. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. It was Where's Chad Kelly in the conversation. It just—it's a weird situation where the gap. The gap between one and two is significant. The gap between two and everybody else is immense. Hmm. Yeah, it's that's a it's kind of like a weird era in the Canadian Football League when it comes to that. We're used to seeing, uh, I don't know, like Anthony Calvillo, Ricky Ray, Darian Durant. You know, like a good bundle Henry of Burris. yeah, Henry Burris, a good bundle Prime of like Bo, yeah, I'm Lule, like it's it's I'm Mike Riley. Yeah, there we go. I mean, just keep rattling off the names. It's just that, uh, you know, you mentioned one of the guys right now or uh, a couple seconds ago, uh, Chad Kelly with the Argos. He, uh, I don't know what to make of that performance on Sunday. It's like he, he made a lot of great plays. Uh, he had three rushing touchdowns, which is obviously good. He's He looks like the quarterback that might be the answer in Toronto but uh, is it going to be enough to you know get the fans to come through the gates I saw 15,000 people at BMO Field uh, you know that's for the home opener is that just pretty much do we just got to accept that as fans at this point that you know what the Argos are good for about 15,000 people per game and we shouldn't really uh, hope for oh, any more at this Argos point the Argos would be thrilled to have 15,000 people regularly mm-hmm. um so but, no no buzz in Toronto, huh? No buzz whatsoever no, about this. Yeah. No, and it's it's one week too. Like yeah. I, I just I, I'm forget the crowd for a minute. I'm not into making real quarterback evaluations after a game or two. Mm-hmm. I'm just watching the league and I'm saying to myself, where are the elite quarterbacks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and and they're like. All the things the league has done, first of all, they took the third quarterback away for a little bit. Now they finally brought it back. If if it's priority number one, like enough with the staff cap, enough with the nonsense, let people come in to coach and develop quarterbacks. There should not be a limit on the number of quarterbacks you can have on your roster. Okay, you can dress three, but let's have two or three others that you're giving you know, league minimum too. Not not practice roster money. Because this is a league, like, you can move the hash marks around all you want. But what was the halftime score the other day of BC Edmonton? Nine nothing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I fell asleep. If, if, if you, you want to make an entertaining league, you need to have good quarterbacks. Right? Like, when you think about south of the border, who moves the needle? It's Mahomes, it's Burrow, it's Allen, now it's Jalen Hurts. People are watching for quarterback play. And if you don't have the horses, you don't have yourself a league. Mm -hmm. Hey, Arash, this has been fun, my friend. Thanks for uh, taking the time today, and we'll talk on Thursday. Thanks, Zinger. Awesome. That's uh, Rash Madani, coast to coast here on the Western Pizza Hotline for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546 2533. You are listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on this Tuesday on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Last time Max Scherzer pitched on this mound, it was Game 7 of the 2019 World Series. He was a Washington National, and the Nats 
won the World Series that night. And he goes down on the slider out of the strike zone, and so Scherzer makes quick work of Altuve, a three-pitch strikeout. And Max Scherzer had eight of those in a big 11-1 win yesterday over the Houston Astros. And Max Scherzer only allowed four hits in eight innings pitched, allowing just the one earned run. So no doubt Max Scherzer is your sports cage clutch performer today for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. All right, here we go. Let's play some Sastel pick to score, huh? Does that sound like a good idea? Got a couple tickets for the next Rider home game here, and they could go towards uh, you and your family or whoever you want to go or take with you. You know what I mean? This is a exciting time of the year. It's a week three in the Canadian Football League, and we have a whole lot more Ryder games to look forward to. So let's not take it for granted. Let's not take it for granted. Let's go to the games. Let's have a good time. And let's cheer on the green and white to some victories. Fingers crossed. So uh, give us a call right now. What number should we select today? Hmm. Hmm. Let's go with caller number... Uh, caller number... Hmm. 17. I don't know why I thought of 17, but we're going to go with caller number 17 today. So uh, 1-866-767-0620 is the toll-free number. Or if you're in town here, 306-936-6262. It's Sastel pick the score. And uh, whoever we select as caller number 17, you automatically win yourself a pair of tickets to the next Ryder home game. And then if your score prediction is the closest prediction to the actual score, you will then win a $200 Sastel gift card at the end of the week. And then the next step to it, no, I'm not done quite yet. The next step to it, you will be entered in to win. A sweet experience next season at Mosaic Stadium up in the uh, press box area there. A very great package deal. So one, one more time, the phone number to call, 306-936-6262. Toll free, 1-866-767-0620. Sastel picked the score back, uh, taking caller number 17. And we are going to head to break. On the other side, we will have our CFL report. And then the rider guru himself. Mr. Rob Vanstone on the Western Pizza Hotline. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. And we're back with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781 781- 2090. The Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Miami Marlins tonight. And, uh, well, the Miami Marlins laid a licking on the Blue Jays yesterday. You say Kikuchi is trying to, uh, you know, right the storm for the Toronto Blue Jays tonight. We shall see if that's uh, going to happen or not. Mm, I'm not very optimistic at this point, but I'm just a disgruntled fan at the end of the day. You know, if my team plays bad, I get all sulky about it, and then I just kind of pelt for a couple days. That's the way I operate, so that's the way that I'm kind of thinking right now. My other team, the Regina Red Sox, they won yesterday. Nice 6-1 to win at home against the Swift Current 57s, and the Red Sox are in action tonight at Tom Lang Park in Weber, and that's a 7 o'clock opening pitch.
Edder Seed and Processing is always looking for yellow and green peas. They are now splitting peas for human consumption, and they are looking for large caliber peas, including forest green peas. Edder Seed and Processing is licensed and insured with the Canadian Grain Commission. Call Jim at 522-1668. That's 522-1668. Or see them at the Canada's Farm Show in the International Trade Center Hall 11. Edder Seed and Processing just east of Regina off Highway 33. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. CFL Report for Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boater pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Coppell. Kevinsmarine.com. And looking across the Canadian Football League today, Ticats quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell was at practice today. In shorts and t-shirt, Mitchell left the game with an apparent lower body injury in Toronto on Sunday. So it looks like Matthew Schiltz will get the start in the Tiger Cats home opener on Friday versus Montreal. And staying in the hammer, the Tiger Cats have signed former University of Saskatchewan Husky O-lineman Noah Zer on Tuesday. The 24-year-old was a second-round pick of the Lions last season, appearing in four games with the Leos. And we'll have Noah Zur on the Sports Cage tomorrow. Can't wait to talk with him about his new team. And coming up today on the Sports Cage at around 5.15, the latest from Edmonton with the play-by-play voice on the radio for 6.30, Chad Morley Scott. That's on the way in Hour 3. Your CFL report. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And Sean Kleisinger sitting in for Michael Ball today alongside Blaine Wyland on the other side of the board. And we are here for Saskatchewan Lotteries, bringing communities together. Sask Lottery products fund over 12,000 sports, culture, and recreation groups across Saskatchewan here. So big thank you for Saskatchewan Lotteries. Uh, with us every step of the way here inside the sports cage. And we are joined on the Western Pizza Hotline now by our buddy, uh, our friend, our companion, uh, Rob Vanstone. Rob, I want to open up today's chat by officially congratulating you, the only Denver Nuggets fan in <laughs> Saskatchewan and probably in Western Canada. I just want to send out a big congratulations. Uh, years of agony of defeat and uh couple days ago, well, I guess a couple weeks ago or maybe a week ago, I, I, I'm losing track of time. Bottom line is your Denver Nuggets won the championship, and uh, how are you feeling when it comes to that, uh, Mr. Rob Vanstone? I'm still trying to process this one, Zinger. Like, I just, I just I'm, a, I'm a Denver Nuggets fan and a Winnipeg Jets fan, so I kind of resign myself to the fact that two teams that I've supported uh, ardently for so long uh, we're just never going to win a championship. And uh, I just cannot process the fact that the Denver Nuggets are NBA champions. It's just, it is just so cool. I have to get around to ordering a hat. I've been following the Nuggets since uh, the 1976-77 season, their first in the National Basketball Association. I used to listen to their games on KOA 850 out of Denver. And uh, that's how I became a Denver Broncos fan as well. And David Thompson was the greatest player in basketball for the first few years that I uh, – I followed the Nuggets and his, you know, forty-two inch vertical leap, and and Dan Issel with the missile, as Al Albert used to say on the on the, the Denver Nuggets broadcasts. Oh, and Bobby Jones, 
Fatty Taylor, Mac Calvin, Kiki Vandeway, Alex English. I could go on and on. I just, I've loved the Denver Nuggets for a long time, and I just cannot believe they're champions. That was just something that somebody else always wanted. Yeah. Now it's real. Uh, don't lie to us now. Were there tears shed on that evening? Uh, there were a few. I got kind of sniffly, actually. I, yes. It's just a sign of age. I generally didn't get... I haven't gotten too sentimental about things over over the years, but when they uh, when they when they gave the Joker the the trophy, when I felt some extra pride as a Canadian when Kitchener, Ontario's Jamal Murray uh, mm-hmm. raised the trophy, it was just a, the whole thing was just. I still can't uh, really put it together. I, I ruined a New York vacation one day, or came close to doing it, because the Nuggets were in the playoffs while my wife and I were in New York. And there was this uh, hotel, this sports bar not far away from our hotel called Blondie's. And Chrisula wanted to do something, you know, I mean, New York, you can do there's Broadway musicals, there's baseball games, there's all sorts of things to do on an evening in New York. And I would, every game of a series, I went to Blondie's sports bar and sat there for two and a half hours eating uh, way too much food and watching the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs. And Chrisula was left to her Owen to go to Broadway shows because I was watching the Denver Nuggets and Blondies just off Broadway in 72nd. That's the kind of Denver Nuggets addict I've been over the years. That's, so, that's here's the, the Nuggets, here's the Blondies. That's, uh, that's the type of husband that I'm talking about right there. That's uh, right in my wheelhouse. Uh, I want to model my life after that right there, and I think I'm pretty much on track of doing that as we are. <laughs> I hope you have a good good lawyer. No, oh, no. Uh, I don't. I, I might need to make some more money before I can uh, maybe get into that. Uh, Rob, I want to obviously talk about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders too. I saw a very cool picture when the Riders were in Edmonton to kick off the season. Uh, you were sitting in the exact seat, I believe, that you and your mother were uh, sitting in when uh, you guys took in Ronnie Lancaster's very last game as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Uh, was that the first time that you've been back in that seat ever since that happened back in 1978, or is it something that you always kind of like to do when you're at Commonwealth Stadium. No, that was the first time I'd hunted down that seat. My uh, my uh, wonderful sister Laura had uh, gone into Mum's old slides. My, we lost our I lost my mom, and we lost our mom in December of 2019. And Mum had preserved all her slides, so we had some pictures that kind of showed us kind of where we sat. So I did a bit of a guess, and then afterward, after the game, my sister sent me some pictures were actually even more precise i think i was within a first down of where we sat mm-hmm. i wasn't uh, exactly sure so i sat in i sat in seat 23 i figured if i'm going to guess i'm going to guess with seat 23 and and it was so neat to sit in that seat in section jj at commonwealth stadium i'd been there a number of times subsequent to october 29th of 1978 but i'd never sat in that seat i'd stood on the very spot of that field where uh Joey Walters caught Ron Lancaster's last touchdown pass in that game. It was just to the right of the goal post, about a yard or two inside the end zone. So at the 2010 Grey Cup in Edmonton, I stood on that spot and had a picture taken, but I'd never uh, actually gone and sat in that seat. And I was 14 years old when Mom and I uh, got on a bus on a Saturday morning, October 28th in 1978, uh, by a dash tours and went to Edmonton to watch the Riders and the Van Eskimos in the yeah. Riders' final game of the 78 season. And to this day, Zinger, it is my favorite sporting event ever. It just had everything. It was the most beautiful game ever played in any sport in any league. 
So my my next question was going to be if you like remember what like actually being there watching it. You know how you know like I I'm thinking back when I was 12 years old. I went to my very first Blue Jays game in Toronto, and it was still the Sky Dome at the time. Now I remember like going to the game, but I don't remember any specific like parts of the game. The things that I remember most are like just walking down. Uh, the seats for the very first time and just kind of like being wowed at all the blue seats around in the Sky Dome. So that's like what I remember from the game. Uh, and coming back to uh, your game that you're at 1978, is it kind of like the same thing uh, for yourself or do you remember actual specific moments, specific plays? Because thinking back on my younger life, I just wish that I remembered some like plays, but I just really don't. Yeah, I know that one I remember was... Uh probably more clarity than I remember last Friday's game. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it was just a wonderful game. Uh, Larry Dick had started a quarterback for the Rough Riders that day, a rookie out of Maryland, because Ronnie was was going to retire as a player, and Larry Dick was Ronnie's heir apparent. So, Walt Posadowski, who was the head coach at the time, started Larry Dick in each of the final two regular season games. Larry Dick threw a beautiful t- touchdown pass to Rodney Parker down in the end of the stadium where we were sitting. Uh, through a lovely pass to Joey Walters for a touchdown. It was Joey's 24th birthday. Coming down that same end of the field, Paul Williams intercepted a pass uh, to our right and went right down the sidelines. I remember a lot of that game. Um, and then, of course, there was Ronnie coming into the game with just over 10 minutes left and getting a standing ovation from the Edmonton fans who were clamoring for his insertion into the game and, and uh, throwing a pardon me, game-winning touchdown pass to Joey Walters. <clears throat> adding a uh, one-yard run for a quarterback sneak, and then to run a quarterback sneak, and then to top it all off, Bill Baker, who was also playing in his final CFL game, sacked a rookie named Warren Moon for a safety touch to uh, conclude the scoring as the Riders won 36-26. I remember that game so vividly. A nice gentleman by the name of Jack Morrow out of Edmonton, an amazing CFL historian, had the audio tape for that game, and... and, uh, and uh, a couple of years, about a year or two ago, he sent me uh, sent me the audio from that game. So I actually listened to the uh, to the broadcast of that game not too long ago. It still gives me goosebumps. Oh, that's pretty cool. Saskatchewan Rough Rider historian. Rob Vanstone with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline, and uh, I love talking about this kind of stuff with you, Rob. Uh, since we're playing, since the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are playing the Calgary Stampeders coming up here on Saturday, I'm putting you on the spot with this one. But when you think back on your uh, life as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan, and uh, you know, just covering the team, what's the the number one memory that comes to mind when you think of the Riders versus Stampeders matchup? What's the one thing that you kind of you know, think to yourself, oh, that one. When I think of this matchup, mm, that was that was a goosebumps in its own right. Well, I think of a few toward the end of the of the uh, 2009 season. I mean, I haven't seen the Riders finish first in my lifetime. They haven't done it a lot, and over the years, and uh, you know, since uh, since the late, um, you know, over the last 45, 50 years, it's happened so infrequently, and so. Riders beat uh, Calgary uh, on November 7th, 2009 at Taylor Field to clinch first place. And then two weeks later, beat Calgary in the West Final to uh, go to the Grey Cup. And I remember getting into the, uh, walking to the car after the Riders won the West Final against Calgary. And nobody really was in in any mood to leave. So I pulled out my computer and sat in the car and wrote my entire column with my computer on my lap in the, in the car 
And by the time I finished the, the column, people still hadn't really left. Traffic hadn't really dispersed that much. It was just so much rejoicing over that team getting to the Grey Cup. And, and so that, I think that's, that's as close to a favorite Ryder Calgary scenario I have. Maybe those two uh, back-to-back in 2009. It, it, the last game of the regular season on November 7th, uh, 1976, the Riders went into Calgary needing to beat the Stampeders, who weren't very good that year, to finish uh, in first place. And on the last play of the game, uh, the Riders were trailing 27, 24-0 and 27-8 to in that game. And Ronnie brought him back, and on the last play of the game, Ronnie hit Rhett Dawson for a three-yard touchdown pass on the right side of the end zone uh, to give the Riders a victory in Calgary. And uh, that was the first epic Ryder-Calgary game hmm. that I remember, that, uh, that 1976 regular season finale, just a, an absolute classic. And so that and those two uh, in, in 2009 really stand out. Did anyone, like, bang on your uh, window when you were typing up your story? You know, did, did your car give a little shake around, or did people leave you alone and <laughs> let you do your work, my friend? <laughs> people were generally too preoccupied with what the, they were doing to really worry about this uh, this lonely uh, figure of a of a sports writer sitting in the, I actually moved over to the passenger seat because the uh, the uh, I had more room to fold my laptop uh, mm. screen back if I sat in the passenger seat as opposed to the steering wheel getting oh, yeah. getting in the way. So I remember getting out of the driver's side and walking over to the passenger side, and as I was making that. Uh, you know, ten step journey around the car. Like people were just, yeah, all right. you know, just high fives and everything. Yeah. I just remember that little spasm of getting out of the car. It was just bedlam. And then I got back in the car, rolled up the window, and felt almost felt like I was in a focus group watching what was going on. Uh, to the extent that I was paying attention, but I kind of had the imperative of getting my column done. That's funny. I've never heard that story before. That's uh, that's pretty cool. So let's uh, talk that about the. So cool. Sorry, go ahead. I said that was so cool. I just, no, I, yeah. it's, it's, it's the best column I've ever written in my car. <laughs> it's also the worst column I've ever written in my car because I think I've only written one column in my car. Oh man, that's uh, that's hilarious. You must. It sound like you were pretty comfy too. Like maybe the maybe you had pajamas on in the back seat. Maybe you slept those on too. <laughs> like did you you know order some take uh, takeout? You know they didn't have ta- uh, you know those uh, delivery services back in the day. Then, but uh, it sounds like you were pretty comfy yeah. there. Well, with, with my car. <laughs> If I'd wanted to eat, I probably could have just looked underneath the driver's side seat. Oh, okay, so you're one of those guys now. Now we're learning guy, even yeah. more about this man. <laughs> yeah, well, the car I'm driving now is a 2010 Cobalt. And so my, my previous car was in, in the latter stages of its lifespan uh, at that time. So I I can't imagine what type of... Uh, mm. <laughs> what type of archives I had in that vehicle at the time. That's just hilarious. It's our friend Rob Vanstone with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders historian. And uh, let's talk about the game on Saturday quickly here. We've come all this way, and we haven't even talked about the game coming up here. But, hey, that's what I, that's what I like. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about this game already on Saturday, but I want your take. It was some good news at practice today, of course. Gerald Hawkins back and uh, Colin Kelly back on the offensive line. Hawkins at left tackle. Colin Kelly at right tackle, uh, Derek Moncrief, Nick Marshall, they were practicing today. Uh, Jackson Ford was lining up as the starting safety with Jane Delkey's absence. Uh, that's all the good news, of course. That's uh, that's all the good news. And the bad news, well, plenty of Canadian content out of practice. Mentioned Jane Delkey, Lake Corte Moore, Nicholas Daly, Albert Awachi, uh, Jawan Breskison. And then Frankie Hickson and Roland Milligan, of course, they're not Canadians, but they were also not at practice today. So 
Deep breath. With all that said and done, Rob Vanstone, how do you feel about this game going into uh, McMahon Stadium on Saturday night? And that doesn't include Darrell Walker, who got hurt in the opening week of the season, mm, and yes. Schaefer Baker, who is still recovering from off-season surgery. It's just such a scroll-like list of injuries so far. You look at the impact, too, you're losing a lot of, uh, or at least in the short term, there are a lot of Canadian players who are either not playing or, or questionable for the weekend. So that's uh, and that, that affected the team on, on Friday against Winnipeg, too, to lose that many players in the course of a game and then to have your, your Canadian depth challenge to the extent that it, that it was. I, talking to Craig Dickinson today, he doesn't think a lot of the injuries are especially serious, but it's uh, there's been an inordinate amount of them occurring early in the year. But this, it, this is a team that seems to have pretty good depth and, and, and certainly resiliency. If you look at the, the receiving core, uh, there were three starters out uh, on uh, on Friday, and then Juwan Breskison got hurt during the game, and, and Trevor Harris still throws for 413 yards. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, without without and him and he himself was was uh, hampered a bit by a by a or theoretically hampered by a hip injury, and now he has a full week of practice. So uh, I'm really interested to see how Trevor Harris does and whether he can you know string some some games together because we we saw on Friday, especially when you consider the circumstances, was really masterful. That was a clinic on how to play quarterback. And uh, I think uh, I, my appetite is really whetted to see more of that because I just really enjoyed uh, watching him. The, 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 just the professional and uh, resilient, resilient, resilient manner in which he played quarterback on Friday. That was a clinic. Boy, he was good, wasn't he? I mean, when was the last time we've had a Riders quarterback making those type of throws? That uh, deep corner to Emelis on the far side of the field moving right to left is one I think of. Uh, I, I talked about it yesterday, that whole shot over the middle to Sean Bain Jr., uh, deep one to Tevin Jones. I mean, a lot of throws coming to mind here. When was the last time that we uh, – Darian Durant, I guess? I don't know. I, I, I don't want yeah. to hate on Cody Fajardo here, but I don't think he made many of those type of throws that uh, Trevor Harris was making on Friday night. No, and they were different quarterbacks too. I mean, yeah. you know, Cody had an entirely different dimension to his game that – a few quarterbacks can rival when you factor in his his, uh, his running ability. But the, yeah. the deep pass down the right sideline to Sean Bain Jr. was another one that came to mind for me. And just the, the tight windows that, that he was hitting, it was just uh, it was masterful what he was able to do. And I was kind of flashing back, too, and just trying to think, when's the last time we saw some throws like that? I thought of, you know, Darian throwing those corner patterns, whether they were to Andy Fantuz or Chris Chris Getzlaff or, or Weston Dressler, and he had such an amazing touch on those passes. Mm-hmm. You know, we never really got a chance to see the best of Zach Kalaros here. You know, had there been more longevity with Zach Kalaros, or had the circumstances been more conducive uh, to uh, the team thriving on offense when he was here, uh, and then thinking of what we saw Zach Kalaros do on Friday night, I think we would have seen that here. The arm talent was certainly there, and, and is certainly there, but we didn't really get to see the best of that. Mm-hmm. Here, it's it's you know kudos to him for resurrecting his career like he has in Winnipeg. But yeah, I was going back to Darian Durant to try and think of some passes that just had were as picturesque mm-hmm. as uh, as the ones that that uh, Trevor Harris threw on Friday. That was something else to see. And hopefully we can see some more of that coming up here Saturday. It's a 5 p.m. kickoff at Mosaic, or sorry, at the McMahon Stadium in Calgary. And our pregame show will be on the air at 2 p.m. with Countdown to Kickoff with uh, Daniela Ponticelli. And uh, Rob, enjoy the game coming up here on Saturday. I take it that uh, you'll be on the plan again going out uh, west to Countdown? 
No, I'm going to be staying in, in Regina All for, right. for this one. So uh, so they're free of me for, for this <laughs> weekend. And, uh, my, my wife and my dog are now warned that I'm sticking around. All right, so there's no writing columns and vehicles this weekend. It's just going to be in the comfort of your own home. I guess you wouldn't have a vehicle anyways on the road, but regardless. Thanks for your time today, Rob. It was fun, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. My pleasure, Zinger. Thanks for your time. Take care. Awesome. That's uh, Rob Vanstone, historian for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and uh, joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And we are going to hit the break. Don't forget, on the other side of the 5 o'clock news, we will hear from Trevor Harris from after practice today, and then Morley Scott, the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Elks on 6.30. Chad will join us at around roughly 5.15 p.m. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 6.20 CK. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And back inside the Sports Cage here, it's plus 22 here in the Queen City, mostly cloudy. Today's show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, and we're going to head on out to the Western Pizza Hotline quickly here and chat with our friend Brian Raymond at Flowing Springs. Brian, uh, I'm not a big golf expert, but I'm going to ask you, I'm assuming a lot of rain is kind of like a thorn in the side of a golfer. You know, we've had a lot of rain here in southern Saskatchewan the last couple of weeks. Am I right when I say that? Rain is kind of a double-edged sword for the golf course because, yes, if you get too much and you get flooding, then it uh, cuts into your uh, tee times. Uh, on the other hand, it always helps to get a little moisture on the golf course to keep things green. So, you, you know, it's either six of one or half dozen of the other. But, uh, you know, I think we're always a little bit welcome for uh, welcoming of rain, but uh, not when it's too much. Yeah, so I'm looking at the forecast this week. Uh, plus 22 and nothing but sunshine tomorrow. Ooh, it's looking like it's going to be a good date to golf and if people want to golf at flowing springs brian uh what can you tell us do you have any uh specials and whatnot absolutely uh every day after six o'clock it's 19 dollars to come out and play the golf course now we don't rent power carts at that time so it's a great opportunity to come out and walk nine holes or maybe a few more than that and uh every day of course every monday and every wednesday we have our uh, ladies and seniors special 32 dollars to play the golf course and if you're not a senior or not a later i'm not a lady we still have a 42 dollars special for you as well uh every day after three o'clock it's 35 dollars to play the golf course so there's lots of great deals lots of good reasons to come out to the golf course we even have a nine-hole rate of 41 dollars and we have that fabulous large all grass driving range and it's been it's actually been quite busy lately zinger and uh uh, it's a great place to come out and take out your frustrations. All right, and how do you uh, how do we book a tea time, Brian? You can book a tea time by us, phoning us at 306-543-5050, and you can book online at flowingspringsgolf.com, but you don't have to book a tea time for the, tea, for the driving range. All right, Brian, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Looking Stop. forward to it. Sounds good, Zinger. Take care, buddy. As Brian Raymond at Flowing Springs, and we are going to hit the break. Your news is coming up next, and then we are going to hear from the quarterback of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Trevor Harris. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. All right, back inside the sports cage here for Hour 3. Here for Saskatchewan Lotteries today. Big shout-out to Saskatchewan Lotteries. Uh, 
products, funds over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups across Saskatchewan. And uh, I'm just looking at the text here as well. Always text us up. Same text line, 306-936-6262. And uh, I know the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they are hoping for much of the same performance that they had on Friday night when Trevor Harris was zipping it all over the field. Let's talk with the quarterback for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He met with the media after practice today. Of course, you always take lessons, uh, things that you can learn and grow from. And uh, each game is a life of itself. And obviously, if you... You know, take the things that you watch on film and you don't learn from them, regardless of win-loss, draw, whatever it would be, then uh, shame on you. This is pro football. Everybody's going to improve every week. And that's why it always matters who's playing the best football late in the season. But uh, to me, it's just about who we're becoming in the process. And we learned a lot from that game, and we'll take some things away from it and hopefully uh, just get better and better every week. You talked about building a foundation. What, what goes into doing something like that with a whole new group of guys? It's uh, learning each other, building trust. Uh, so you know what to expect from each other each and every day, you know, in the meeting room, in the uh, weight room, work ethic-wise, uh, you know, practice, and then obviously the way you prepare and for games. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you can uh, learn who each other are, you know, build a foundation in terms of, you know, trust and communication and making sure that you're, you know, developing those layers of trust. And when you can layer, layer trust, that's when you can push each other further without people getting offended. And uh, to me, those are the mark of great teams, the ones that, you know, have thick skin and improve each and every week and aren't, don't get offended by, you know, uh, us, you know, pointing each other's mistakes out and constructively and helping each other. What's something Calgary's defense does well that you guys know you have to be ready for? Well, they always do a good job of uh, keeping you guessing on second and long. They're going to bring their flavor of stuff that they uh, do on second, medium, second and long, and uh, they do a great job of executing. They do a tremendous job in their man coverage with their leverages, switching it up, and uh, their linebackers are active. Their defensive line is very underrated. You know, people don't talk about them, but they are very, very active. High motor guys really, really uh, you know, put pressure on the quarterback and they bring blitzes at timely times and their uh, DBs are experienced guys, you know, guys in the boundary with Moxie and Roberson and uh, their Sam linebacker, heck of an athlete. Their free safety is a good dude and uh, good player and their field guys are good as well. And so they have a lot of faith in those guys and uh, they do what they do. But uh, so do we all in this league and um, teams that end up, you know, mixing up 500 different coverages, you know, they obviously don't believe in what they do. So everybody's got their staples and they do that. and. Um, they do a tremendous job of execution. What separates Roberson from some of the other defensive backs in the leagues and that he's regarded as one of the better ones in the CFL? Well, he's hyper-athletic, and not only that, uh, him and Nick Marshall see the game the same because they used to play quarterback, right? And so they do a good job of being able to pattern read, understand what you're trying to do with your eyes and shoulders as a, uh, as a quarterback, understanding leverage, down and distance, and those sorts of things. Just a really smart play on top of being really athletic. There were some really tight windows you were able to hit last Friday. How much pride do you take in your ability to do that, especially when people are trying to behead you at the same time? Um, you know, honestly, I just try and deliver the mail to the right spot at the right time and uh, let them kind of do their thing. And that's kind of what the guys did this week is I just tried to deliver the, deliver the mail to the right time, the right spot, and uh, let them work their magic. And that's what our receivers did. But uh, there's obviously some things that we want to improve on. But uh, I pride myself on, you know, being smart and, uh, and accurate and throwing on time. and. Uh, I'm not like a super high talent guy in terms of, you know, the things I can do with arm strength and uh, and athleticism and stuff. So uh, if I'm not on time or accurate, I'm not going to be very good. So. What can you say about the receivers that are stepping up given some of the injuries that you guys have going on? Yeah, just a testament to how deep we are in that room. And not only that, how deep the trust is in that room in terms of next guy up. Uh, we didn't, we don't bat an eye in terms of, you know, losing Shafe at the beginning of the year, obviously, and, uh, you know, losing Braden. 
um, you know, and then, you know, obviously Darrell and, uh, and then Juwan. And so, you know, the list goes on, but, you know, those guys are going to continue to produce. They hit the right spots. They get separation at the top of your route. And then for me, it's just my job to make sure I deliver the ball to them. Sean Bain talked about how he's had this game circled on the calendar. It's exciting to go play against his former squad. What's that like for a guy in this league whenever you get to go up against your former team? Yeah, I got a lot of experience with it. Yes, <laughs> in my team. So um, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I think that in the back of your mind, you're probably thinking you want to show that they made a wrong decision, not bringing you back and doing everything they could or whatever. But uh, for me, um, anytime I play a former team, it's just, you know, another game. I'm trying to make sure my focus stays in house. And uh, I know Bain wants this one. We want it for him, too. Is there any lingering effects of your hip injury now? A little bit, um, but uh, not enough to hold me out of practice. And uh, But yeah, I've still got some rehab and, uh, and treatment to do on my own. And um, But yeah, it'll, I'm, I think it'll be close to 100% by the game. 413 passing yards on, on Friday. Do you, as a quarterback, do you pay much attention to stats? Do they have any value to you? No, it's, I know a lot of people probably think, you know, bull crap, you really care. I don't, you know, I, I care about how we're executing offensively. And, you know, obviously wins and losses are vital, but uh, at the same time, it's about who we're becoming throughout this process of the season. Um, each and every game, like I said, is life of its own. And if we're not improving every week, then uh, we're not putting ourselves in a position to be playing our best football late. And so to me, it's about execution offensively, not putting our defense in bad spots with turnovers, generating explosive plays, and making sure that we can stay in any game. Even if it's a shootout, um, if it's a low-scoring game, we're just doing what we need to do. And sometimes the best offense is keeping our defense off the field, and that sometimes will be the case. And so sometimes we won't need to score that many because we can sustain drives. And so to me, it's just about doing what we need to do to win. But once upon a time when you throw six touchdown passes in a playoff game, do you at least allow your eyes to bug out a little when you see those kind of numbers? It's more just fun uh, when people, you know, ask you like, uh, what's what is the most yards you've thrown for touchdowns? and. Uh, what was your best game sort of thing those are the things that, those are the things that it's just kind of fun to talk about but uh to me that's just like an enjoyed experience with my team um it's not really just about how many touchdowns i threw because if they if we didn't block the d-line and our receivers weren't getting open our offensive you know coordinators weren't developing the game plans and it wouldn't have worked out and so it's that's why it's the ultimate team game when you're a staff that a quarterback does find relevant for me, it's you know taking care of the football and uh, and you know making sure that we're you know completing a high percentage of passes just because you want to make sure that you're efficient. The best way to be efficient is allow yourself, your receivers, to to catch and run. And uh, I grade myself on accuracy a lot in terms of ball placement, you know, versus like strike point accuracy and just you know giving a chance to a receiver. And so those are big things for me. But uh, aside from that, I think you know. All the other members take care of themselves. When you ran out of the tunnel on Friday night, I noticed that you kind of took a moment, looked, turned around, and kind of looked back at the crowd. What did that moment mean to you? Yeah, it was just like really cool. You know, something I've always kind of longed for is for this stadium and these fans to, you know, be on my side. And, uh, you know, I do that every time. I kind of just like the little kid in you just gives you chills thinking about it is you, you come out and the crowd's going wild. And, uh, you know, you put yourself in those situations where, you know, the sellout crowd and you have the best fans and it's super loud. And um, so you just allow yourself to kind of be that kid for a moment and just say like, wow, you know, I'm here. I get to do this. This is amazing. I get to play football for a living and just like praise Jesus. And I just, for me, it's just a moment where I just take time to reflect and just be thankful. Have you always done that in your career? Or has it become something that you've done as you've become more grateful? As always? I've gone on, yeah. as I've gone on, and it's been more like probably the last like three or four years. I run out and I just kind of just look around and just say, "Wow!" And just, just super, super grateful to be here and get an opportunity to play the game. That's the quarterback for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Trevor Harris, here on this uh, Tuesday inside the sports cage. Trevor Harris, 413 yards passing. Say it with me, Rider Nation. 
413. 413. Oh, man, that was a nice performance. I'm acting like we won the game, but, you know, we kind of, I'm I'm acting like we did win because that's a big bright spot, you know. Trevor Harris was playing lights out, three touchdown passes, no picks, and, uh, you know, it's, it's good to, you know, have a quarterback that can make those type of throws. I'm just going to say it's uh, refreshing. Uh, Trevor Harris, so glad he's our quarterback here in Saskatchewan. Out west in Edmonton, well, northwest, I guess. Their quarterback situation right now is kind of in question, although Chris Jones said yesterday that, uh, that's my quarterback. Don't you guys talk about my quarterback like that? Uh, he basically said that, uh, hey, you leave Taylor Cornelius alone. That's my guy. But with that said and done, it's just not Taylor Cornelius that's struggling right now. It's, I mean, from top to bottom, offensive line, receivers dropping balls. You know, it's just not a good... The Elks are just not in a good spot right now. Safe to say, okay? And uh, we're going to dive into it on the other side of the break with the play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Elks, Morley Scott from 630 Chet. He's going to be joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. You are listening to the Sports Cage on this Tuesday for Saskatchewan Lotteries, 620 CKRM. Header Seed and Processing is always looking for yellow and green peas. They are now splitting peas for human consumption, and they are looking for large caliber peas, including forest green peas. Header Seed and Processing is licensed and insured with the Canadian Grain Commission. Call Jim at 522-1668. That's 522-1668. Or see them at the Canada's Farm Show in the International Trade Center, Hall 11. Header Seed and Processing, just east of Regina, off Highway 33. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Edmonton Elks play-by-play voice on 630 Chad. Morley Scott with us on the Western Pizza Hotline here. And, uh, well, Morley, it's not the start the Elks wanted. I mean, for the first time in 47 years, Edmonton was shut out on the weekend, 22 to nothing in B.C., I think it was August of 1976, the last time a shutout happened. So what's the vibe around the team right now? Uh, Very businesslike. They went back to practice yesterday, Sean, and uh, they are off today. And then they begin day one for their prep against Toronto on Sunday uh, coming up uh, tomorrow. But uh, they're very businesslike yesterday for sure. Very disappointed, very very much uh, in the mood to try and fix the problems that they have on offense, which won't be easy because – the way we look at it, there's multiple problems that they have to deal with, you know, from, from fumbles to penalties to bad passes to drop passes uh, to second down conversion numbers. Uh, they just got so much to improve, and, and they kind of believe that once one or two of those things fall into place, the other things will fall into place behind it. So they're hopeful, but uh, very businesslike yesterday at practice. Uh, I mean, if the struggles continue, at what point do we see uh, Trey Ford step in? But like you said, it's not just the quarterback, obviously, at this point. Yeah, it's it's not at all just the quarterback. I mean, there's been drop passes. The run game isn't there. The the receivers are dropping passes. The O line's not giving him enough protection. Uh, he's not playing well either. But it's not just him, and I don't think you can just pinpoint it on him. Uh, but I would imagine the leash is starting to get a little bit shorter. Looking back to last year. Uh, Chris Jones gave Nick Arbuckle three games before he brought in Trey Ford to start the game in Hamilton, uh, which he won and then got hurt the week after that. So um, I'm not sure how far he'll go with Taylor Cornelius if he doesn't improve, but he's got to improve. There's no doubt about that. And I think a lot of people are talking about Trey Ford coming in. I think next on the list is going to be Kai Loxley 
for the Elks if they do make a quarterback change because he's been the number two guy and probably the better of uh, of the two uh, backups in through preseason and in training camp. So if they make a move, I think they'll go to Kai Loxley before they go to uh, Trey Ford. Yeah, and things won't get any easier as, uh, like you said, the defending champs are coming into Commonwealth on Sunday. And I mean, if the Elks find a way to win this game, to end their 18-game losing skit, I think it is now. I feel like it could be a season-defining game, and it's only week three, or is that silly of me to talk about? Well, we called week one a season-defining game yeah. against Saskatchewan <laughs> when uh, when they went into, uh, so went into it with the you know the guaranteed win ticket and and having to win that, win a football game at home. So I, I guess it's the same thing going into week three at 0-2 and, and playing another home game to try and uh, end that terrible uh, slump at home. Uh, which is just hanging over. It's it's almost not fair that it's hanging over this group's head because uh, hardly any of them were here when it started back in uh, 2019, and uh, and not many of them are even here from from last year. Uh, the coaching staff's only been here for for uh, you know a year and two games now, so uh, they're getting the blame for it though, I guess, which is part of the business and and what you have to put up with. So uh, it's going to be an important game. 0 three is a pretty tough start for sure. Uh, the good news is, you know, if they can somehow get something out of out of Toronto and play well uh, against the Argos, then they're going to Ottawa, who's another struggling team on a short week after that. Elks in a situation now. I think it's three games in 12 days they're playing. Uh, they played Saturday in Vancouver, and then they'll play on uh, on June 30th uh, in Ottawa. So it's a three game stretch in, in not a lot of time. So um, they're they're going to have to figure out how to get back on track because uh, because as you said, zero and three is pretty deep, and zero and four is disastrous in the West, especially. Compared to last year at this time, what's the buzz like in Edmonton when it comes to the fans? Is it about the same? Do you feel like you know Victor Quee's work is you know improving this fan base as far as ticket sales and just the vibe around the team? Uh, I think they appreciate Victor Quee and, and what he's done and what he's trying to do. But they're just tired. I mean, it's been so long. Um, uh, this team has, has has had so many changes and been in flux so much over the last few years, going back to even before the pandemic in 2019, uh, you know, with Jason Moss as coach. And then it was the year that wasn't a year with Scott Milanovich and then Jamie Elizondo and now Chris Jones and through it all. Uh, the losing keeps uh, keeps coming, and uh, fans are 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 they're just tired. They're just they're just uh, they just want to see a win. I, um, I I sat on the plane coming home from uh, Vancouver on the weekend in in front of a, an older couple who were coming home from a cruise, and they I had on an Elks jacket, and they started asking me questions, and they just said they were longtime season ticket holders, but they just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, they just said they just weren't having any fun going to the ball game. Uh, the atmosphere wasn't great. The team wasn't great and after a lot of years of season seat holders this is the first year that they didn't renew their season seats and i think there's a lot of fans out there who are like that and as i said earlier they're, they're just they're just tired they just they're, they're just begging for a win and uh, they just want to see things things go better for the team on the field and you know it doesn't really matter uh, what you do off the field and how you improve the atmosphere which the Elks had to do and have done to a certain extent. Uh, winning is king, man. If, if you're not winning, people are going to get more and more upset. So uh, I think if they can get a win or a couple of wins at home, I think people will appreciate all the other things that they've added to the home games. But 
Sean, man, it all comes down to winning. Yeah, yeah. Edmonton Elks play-by-play voice on 6.30. Chad Morley-Scott with me here for a couple more seconds. Toronto Argonauts coming up here on Sunday, the defending champs. Uh, what do you think of the Argos so far this year? I mean, that was some type of game on Sunday. Chad Kelly uh, looks like Toronto has their guy at quarterback. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, he had a, he had a strong – it wasn't a great game. I mean, he only threw for just over 200 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ran in three touchdowns, which is – obviously what won them the football game. So, uh, you know, he, I think we still have a pretty small sample size on Chad Kelly. We saw him as kind of the spark plug guy coming in in the Grey Cup game, and we know what he did there. He led them to the to the winning points in the Grey Cup game. He was a third, uh, third down short yardage guy all of last season, and this was kind of the first time he's been given the keys to the car. Uh, he passed the first test, which is all you could ask, but I think there's still some room for improvement and, and, and a learning curve because – you know, uh, he's an older guy, but he hasn't played a lot of football in his uh, in his career, uh, especially as a starter. So we'll we'll see how he develops moving forward. But you can't ask for anything more than a win in your first game, right? You're an Elks fan. You're probably thinking to yourself, you know, maybe just take a little bit of a step back this week so we can, you know, celebrate a win at Commonwealth Stadium. I'm sure that's what the fans are thinking right now. Uh, Morley Scott from 6:30, Chad. This has been fun, man, and, and uh, have a good call coming up here on Sunday. Thanks, Sean. Good to talk to you, man. A couple simply couldn't take it anymore. They couldn't go to games anymore because the team sucks so much. Can you imagine that? They got so depressed by going to games, they didn't renew their season tickets. That's what it's come to in Edmonton right now. It's just amazing. So uh, with all that said and done, if you're a Riders fan, you're kind of sitting back thinking, yeah, just keep the losing coming, boys. Keep it on coming. More cage coming on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker at 533 for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz, Busy Bee Doors. The garage door specialists. The Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Miami Marlins right now. Bottom of the fourth, still no scores. So Yusei Kikuchi holding his own right now on the hill for the Bluebirds. The Regina Red Sox, they're in action tonight. They are in Weyburn taking on the Weyburn Beavers and we will We'll talk some more Regina Red Sox here in a few moments on the Red Sox Report. Showcasing the boys of summer. Time for another edition of the Sports Cage Regina Red Sox Report on 620 CKRM. Red Sox Report brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. You can enjoy a full list of menu items at the CBH from food, drinks, you name it. Head to the CBH to watch your sports this week and on the weekend as well. Well, in hour one of the show, we chatted with Bittner Workman, uh, infielder for the Regina Red Sox from Arizona. And Bittner took a couple years off baseball, we learned today, to uh, go on a church mission. And he's finally getting back into baseball this year for the first time since then. Yeah, it was, it was along the lines of, um, you know, the recruiting process. I, uh, talked to my coach at BYU and you know while I was on my mission and I was just like hey I'm hoping to get a summer league team and I would you know like to have a little competitive summer get some at bats and kind of get back into it before I go to BYU and you know he told me that he has a team and um, he knows that I'll I'll really enjoy it and get a lot of reps and so I'm super glad that um, he sent me sent me out here and I got the opportunity to come out here. That was with your college coach that you had that conversation with? Yeah, yeah. So he had a few connections up here. Um, talked to I 
believe, um, you know, I, I think he talked to Rye, um, yep. Pasikos, I think his last name yep. is, um, but just had a, um, few connections to get up here. That's awesome. So you come from a baseball background. Your dad played at BYU and Arizona State. And the cool thing about this is your brother Gage played for Arizona State himself. So your dad played on both of his son's college teams, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge part of um, what we've talked about. It's been a it's been a huge blessing to have um, these opportunities. And my dad's just super glad that. We've had an opportunity to go to both his alma mater, so yeah. And your brother was drafted by the Detroit Tigers in the fourth round back in 2020. Uh, is he still playing with the Tigers AA affiliate in Erie, Pennsylvania? Yeah, he is currently there in midseason playing um, for the um, Sea Wolves, right? AA affiliate. What's that? The Sea Wolves, right? Yes, sir, the yeah. Seawolves. Seawolves. So do you ever catch yourself thinking about what it would be like, you know, sitting at Comerica Park on a nice sunny day, maybe holding a cold beverage in Detroit, watching your brother come to the plate? Oh, man, I, I am excited for the for the day that that comes around and I have the opportunity to watch him and um, see him perform in the high levels that he does. Yeah. Is that your goal? This might be a silly question. Is that your goal to be a Major League Baseball player? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Since a um, young age, we've always just trained and worked hard to um, play at high levels. And so um, it's kind of built into our mind that that's where we, we want to be and want to get to. That's Regina Red Sox infielder Bittner Workman who joined us in Hour 1. And Bittner Workman and the Regina Red Sox are in Weyburn tonight to take on the Beavers. Regina fresh off a 6-1 to win yesterday at Curry Field versus the visiting Swift Current 57s. It's a 7 o'clock opening pitch tonight at Tom Lang Park. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out. Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. And press coverage is for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. Quality Tire. .ca. Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline. Glenn, great to talk with you, and it was uh, great to see you last week as well, my friend. Yeah, it's... Great to be here, Zinger. How you doing? Good, my friend. Uh, we are getting ready for a big game coming up here on Saturday. And, uh, well, this is the first time that we've chatted since the Ryder game on Friday. You were in town for it. Uh, the Riders, obviously, they lost the football game. But uh, I feel like around town, it's pretty optimistic right now, you know. There was a lot of great performances on the offensive side of the ball. Trevor Harris was uh, zipping it around the field. A lot of great receiving performances. Tevin Jones, Sam Emelis had three touchdowns. Uh, I'm Missing another one. Another uh, receiver had a big game as well. Uh, yeah, Bain, Bain, Sean Bain Jr. Thank Bain, you, Blaine White. Yeah, 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 there we go. So, uh, what's your thoughts on the uh, on the Rough Riders, uh, uh, Glenn Suter? Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, the you know Zinger, the the Bombers are the team to beat in the league. They're mm-hmm. the best team in the league, and and there's and there's you know a, a fair amount of separation between them and the rest of the pack. And, you know, there's sort of the Bombers at the top, Ottawa and Edmonton at the very bottom, and then the rest are in the pack. And the pack 
is is got a ways to go yet. But having said that, the quarterback efficiency rating between Trevor Harris and Zach Kolaris in that game were almost identical. I think Zach was 127.5, and uh, Trevor was 127.4, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we're talking identical quarterback efficiency ratings. Now, efficiency ratings, if you're not sure what that is, it just takes into consideration all the stats of a quarterback and you know all the measurable statistics are calculated in this formula and you come out if you're anywhere over 100 you've had a fantastic game i think 150 something is the maximum you can have and they were both at 127 so that that tells you that at the most important position on the field you know they can duel the the best team in the league and saskatchewan can go head to head and duel there um, you know, they're going to get receivers back. And, and yeah, Emelis' performance, Tevin Jones, you're, you're bang on. I mean, they they took a huge step in their confidence level, their development, all of that. Larry Dean had 10 tackles, three tackles for losses. You know, so their defense, especially the front seven, is just solid as it comes. So, um, and, and improved O-line, really, honestly. And, and I guess Trevor, in, in combination with that O-line, has helped. So, you know, honestly, I, I think you know, it's, there is no moral victories, and you don't want to look at it and say, you know, it was okay that we lost because we were close to the best team in the league. I, you don't ever want to, as a player or a coach or anything like that, start letting that creep into your mind. But uh, I think from the outside, we can anal- analyze it and say, yeah, this this team is getting closer all the time, and I you know I'm really looking forward to Labor Day and hope that everybody's healthy. They can go toe to toe again. Oh yeah, Labor! Imagine that everyone healthy for Labor Day. A packed thirty three thousand five hundred and some at Mosaic Stadium on Elphinstone's Elphinstone Street here, in Regina. You're getting my juices flowing here. Uh, we're with uh, Glenn Suter here on the Western Pizza Hotline. You mentioned the old line. Well, some reinforcements on the offensive line uh, rolled through Ryderville today as Gerald Hawkins was back and uh, Colin. Kelly was back as well, and it looked like uh, Hawkins was taking the first-team reps at left tackle, and uh, Kelly was taking the first-team reps at right tackle. So uh, that's some good news going forward for uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Now, Glenn, I haven't... uh, I can't remember the last time I have looked forward to watching an offensive lineman play, and I don't say that, uh, I don't mean that by uh, disrespect whatsoever, because I just mean, you know, people to... uh, Tune into football to watch, you know, the quarterbacks, the receivers making big time plays, the defensive backs making big time hits. And unless like you've played the position and you know that you uh, have like a history of uh, playing or coaching along the offensive line, historically, it's not really a position you look forward to watching, but. Uh, on the the long way around it, I am really excited to watch Gerald Hawkins play football for the first time. I mean, this is a guy that has uh, uh, not played yet for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I mean, he, had, he hasn't played in the preseason. Uh, he didn't play for the last couple of weeks due to a personal matter. Uh, I just can't wait to see uh, what he can do and what Colin Kelly can do along the offensive line. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I always do. I, I think, you know, the importance of the O-line and 
we've talked about it many times that you know they they aren't in the headlines and in fact mm-hmm. they have had so much fun with that every offensive line in football will tell you that if any one of their members gets in the newspaper well the newspaper gets <laughs> online or on on, on, on twitter <laughs> yeah. on twitter any one of them gets on twitter that they're going to uh, pay a fine to their buddies because it's so rare so yeah i you know, I, I get all of that, and, and but I, I love watching the matchups because, as you know, you know, when you're playing against a, a great rush end like a Willie Jefferson or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or a Ramalade or, you know, which is coming up, uh, when, you're, when you're playing against that type of player, um, you know, it is a matchup that we watch, and you want to have a dominant guy that can – that can play well. One of the reasons that Kolaris is playing so well, I think better than he's played in his entire career this year, is because of their O-line and because of how well they play up front and how coordinated they are and how talented they are. So, you know, you can look at individual matchups and say, in key moments on a second and 15, Zach Kolaris completed a 22-yard throw that took five steam modes. And if it took five seconds to throw it, then the O-line did their job. And that's super important, as you know. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the new guys. Again, you know, I I think Trevor Harris threw for over 400 yards. He threw for three touchdowns and no interceptions. So, you know, I I think that when you get these guys back, yes, it strengthens, but you've got even – all of a sudden now you've got not only – uh, you know, I, w- I won't say a complete upgrade in talent. Let's say, let's say upgrade in experience, which should lead to better mm-hmm. production. Then you also have the depth behind them. So yeah, it's it's it, it bodes well. And unfortunately, right now for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, dealing with a lot of injuries across the board, and one of those guys is a. Safety, Jaden Dulkey, he's had a great start to the season, laying big hits left, right, and center. I love watching that guy play. Uh, Jaden Dulkey, he did not practice today. Uh, University of Regina Ram, Jackson Ford, on the other hand, he did practice today, and he was getting some starting reps with the number 1 defense. How exciting uh, is that going to be for Jackson Ford if he were to make his uh, first start of his career coming up on Saturday? I mean, everyone, every pro football player has made their first start at some point, Glenn. And you included, it yeah. must be like uh, really exciting for that young man. Well, first of all, you feel like you're standing in the middle of a freeway and the cars are flying <laughs> by you, so you're you're trying to hang on. That's that's one thing. Yeah. Uh, and I and I don't care what any veteran, and I don't care if you played Div One in the states or wherever he came from. That's what it's like in your first day of the pros in your first game. But having said that, if you do your reps, you study up, you make sure you know your stuff. And you've got, you've got 11 other guys on the field that are going to have your back and you have to have theirs. And as long as you feel that way, you know, just go out and fly around, let your instincts take over and have fun. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm with you on Dalkey. I, I thought, man, this guy, and I, and I still do, I, I think mm-hmm. this guy is, you know, he, he is poised to, to execute a, a, you know, an all-star season here. But the, the injuries are set back, okay. And, you know, I really felt like Zach kind of went after, went over the middle a little bit when Dalkey wasn't there when he was hurt and then left the game. And I uh, looked back and thought, and that's not a slight on LaCombo or anybody that filled in, but it was just a, mm-hmm. it was just, uh, you know, that's, that's what happens when starters go down. So, 
Jackson Ford is going to be a great story for us. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be a great a great story to tell. And for Ford, if he's listening, all I would say is let your instincts take over, but make sure you're ready mentally. Make sure you know all the checks, you know all that all the the assignments of every one of the guys on defense, not just your job, but every other job. Make sure you know them all, and then just go and fly around and have fun and let your instincts take over. I think he'll I think he'll have a great game if he gets to start. Yeah, me too. This is press coverage for Quality Tire with Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline. We have one more segment with Suits coming up on the other side, and then uh, uh, into the evening with Zinger at night. You're listening to the Sports Cage here for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And this day in sports history is brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, June 20th. Back to 1993 NBA Finals. Uh, Chicago Bulls become the first team since legendary Boston Celtics of the 1960s to win three consecutive titles with a 99-98 victory in Game 6 over the Phoenix Suns. MVP? Take a guess. Oh, it was Michael Jordan for the third straight year. So that's this day in sports history. And this is press coverage with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. And Suits, just uh, quickly, I want to piggyback off our last uh, topic we were talking about. Uh, If Jackson Ford does make his debut coming up here or... I shouldn't say debut. His uh, first start coming up here on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanna I wanna pick your brain on uh, who did you play when uh, you first made your uh, uh, first start in the Canadian Football League, and maybe do you remember it like yesterday, or is it kind of foggy at this point? No, I I don't really remember it. I I do remember playing. Uh, Edmonton early in my career like I want to say game two or three and I remember my first one of my first picks came against Edmonton I remember that but I like I said I you know I think your first couple of games there's there's so much emotion going on you know your your dream to play you know your your you know you think about this I mean for for Jackson and his family and Al Ford and you know just the legacy and watching you know other other athletes, other players on the field at Taylor Field or, or Mosaic, and then getting a chance to actually be out there, be introduced. I know that they're going to be on the road this week, but, you know, I just uh, – it, it's, it's hard to describe Zinger in that the details, you walk away thinking, wow, it's, it's kind of like when you play in a great cup, and I only got a chance to play in one. But I've often been asked by guys who are playing in the game that are young and playing in their first one, and they'll come up to me at the booth or whatever and say, hey, you know, how do I control the nerves? Because this is the championship game. And I say, well, just again, get in your playbook, get back to the fundamentals, get back to the just the, the preparation in your mind, and then let it go because in a great cup it feels like it goes by in a split second like it's the end of the first quarter before you blink and then it's halftime and you know you it just happens so fast and i you know i the mind is a funny thing and it feels a little bit like that in one of your first in your first game or your first couple of games so you know i i just again i i think you lean on your teammates more yeah. than anything they'll be there to support them they've got good players around them and amari and and roland and 
and uh, just keep talking and be vocal and take the, take the bull by the horn, so to speak. Yeah. Well, lots of news and notes from around the league today. Uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats head coach Orlando Steinauer has ruled out uh, franchise quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell for Friday's home opener against uh, the Alouette de Montreal. Uh, Mitchell left, of course, during the fourth quarter of uh, Sunday's loss versus Toronto with that uh, quote-unquote lower body injury. Uh, this really sucks for the league, doesn't it? I mean... Uh, and obviously for Hamilton Tiger Cat fans as well, because we were kind of hoping and expecting that Bo Levi Mitchell will be, or or would be the old Bo Levi Mitchell, but it just hasn't, uh, you know, stacked up that way quite yet. With that said, hopefully this injury isn't a long-term thing and Bo Levi can get back on the field and uh, do what he does best. Well, Bo Levi is going to be a Hall of Famer no matter what. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's going to be fine. And, uh, yeah, I... It, it is disappointing that you know your star quarterbacks go down and and but like you said earlier that when a guy goes down and you get a chance to start your first game or or get a chance to get another opportunity to be the starter, which is in the case of Matthew Schultz in in um, Hamilton, that you know you you have an opportunity to make your your own mark and to really start to kickstart your own journey in pro football. So. You know, I, I'll be I'll be watching with great interest how Schiltz plays mm-hmm. in in replacing Bo Levi Mitchell. And and let's be honest about one thing. And I, I always will try and say it, even though I like Bo and and he is going to the Hall of Fame and all that, he has not played well. And yeah. it, it just you know he he's not seeing it. it. He threw some bad interceptions in plus territory against Toronto. That took points right off the board. He knows that he can't do that. So. This this spark. No one likes to see anybody get hurt, but this change and and having Matthew Schultz play, maybe you see, maybe you see a team that you know rallies around him and and plays with great sense of urgency. Yeah, and I kind of got confused when I was watching the game because Matthew Schiltz, he kind of looked like Bo Levi. He was wearing a visor and he had a double-digit number. I had to do a double take, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Matthew Schiltz play. And uh, Glenn, we have about one minute left. Uh, I I thought this was kind of funny. A CFL legend, uh, you played against him, Gizmo Williams. He said that the Janarian Grant's punt return TD was, you know, it was great. But, no, not the best of all time, the Giz said. I just thought that was pretty funny because I hope that we're not, you know, comparing people to the Giz at this point. I mean, Gizmo Williams, the best kick returner in pro football history, and that's both NFL and CFL. I'm saying it right now. Yeah, and I agree, and there is no comparable. So even in the telecast and even on Twitter afterwards, when I said one of the best I've ever seen, yeah, it was one of the best I've ever seen. Denarian Grant broke five, six tackles, bounced inside. He had to be contained by going inside first. That almost guarantees you can't be contained. And yeah. then had to bounce outside again and got the corner and then took off with speed and then had to cut back on a guy. I mean, it was one of the best I've ever seen. The mm-hmm. best ever in either league is Gizmo Williams. And I could put a top 10 that would <laughs> yeah. compare or be better than the one we saw and in fact, he had 19 returns for touchdowns that were called back. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you know, That's a whole like, lot of backflips that were for naught. You know? Yeah, exactly, Zinger. So there is no comparable in on the planet 
to the gizmo as a returner. Uh, there just isn't. But that was special, though. And, man, I, I can watch world-class athletes do that. I'll, that's worth the price of admission for that one play. And I know if you're a Ryder fan, you hated it because they bomber scored. But that one play, watching a guy do that kind of thing on the field in pro football, I'll tell you what, that's world class right there. Yeah, that was, uh, it was, it was, as a Ryder fan, you know, as Ryder supporters, kind of watching it being like, oh, yeah, this is really a really good return. But at the same time, oh, just kicking yourself. But, uh, yeah, can't wait to see the Riders and what they can do Saturday at McMahon Stadium against those Calgary Stampeders. And, uh, looking forward to chatting with you on Thursday, Glenn. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Eric. Take care. Yep, that's Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza uh, Hotline. Press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. And that about does it for today's show on this Tuesday. We'll be back at it tomorrow uh, with a lot of great guests hoping to have the quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts, Chad Kelly, on the show tomorrow, as well as the brand-new offense alignment for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Noah Zur, and so much more. This has been the Sports Cage. For Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM.